What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are doing Super 7 playlists on Boston, Massachusetts. And you know I can't do this without bringing on the man that wrote Straight Edge Brothers in the Pit Together, fucking pit of equality. It's Anthony Moreski, a.k.a. Wrench. What's up, dude? Hey, Zach. How you doing? I'm doing great. Now, we're going to build out these playlists that are seven songs, like our seven favorite Boston punk or hardcore songs. And I want to get your take first so we can compare our lists against you if we're total posers or not. So if, if I had to put you on the spot and you choose three of your favorite Boston punk or hardcore songs, what would Wrench choose? Oh, man. I don't know if I'm like the really uh, the measuring stick for this, but I, I got to go with with bands that I think I've actually seen. So in the band that got me in to hardcore to begin with was Slapshot. And uh, I, I think back on the map, would have to be my favorite Slapshot song. Um, I mean, it's close. You know, you know. Obviously, I, I'm a big fan of uh, In Your Face, but but back on the map, just that beginning opening is it's so menacing, and then when it picks up and kicks in, that's 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 definitely on there. Yeah. Um, and then, I, like I said, I, I never saw a lot of those older Boston bands, so I'm just going to stick with bands that I that I've seen. Um, I got to give it to my, the guys in in, in my eyes. Um, this is our time. It's definitely like one of my, one of the songs that would get me going, yeah. um, get me singing along, get me jumping in. And then I'm going to, I'm going to count Bane as a Boston band, <laughs> even though they, they fly that Worcester flag. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put them in as Boston. And then I, I would go with every effort made was, was probably my favorite Bane song. Uh, can we start again is up there too, but I think every effort made is like I hear it and I just like, I just want to jump in it and get going. So those are my personal favorites. I know that might not jive with a lot of people. Like, you know, I didn't mention SSC or, or DYS or any, any, any of those bands, but I never saw them. So I think seeing songs, seeing things live makes the difference for me. Yeah. I mean, hardcore is a participation sport, you know what I mean? So I think, yeah. I think that's totally legit. And everyone, just stay tuned, and you're going to compare Wrench's list against our lists, and again, see if we're total posers. But you have a you have a project going on right now, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're basically you're doing a video project interviewing entrepreneurs within the hardcore and punk rock genre. Is that right? Yeah, that's that that's more or less it. So um, I wanted to I've been wanting to do kind of more of like. Uh, <laughs> a personal project, something that wasn't like, you know, that I was just doing to pay the bills, which I, was mostly like, mostly what I do. So for, for a few years now, I've been trying to think of different ideas that something I could do that, that was meaningful to me that might actually help other people as well. Um, so this project is, it started off, the idea was like, I thought, Oh, maybe I'll just do like a little series of YouTube videos, but, uh, it turned into something more. And what it really is, is um, it's Chris Friend from Bridge Nine Records. It's Sonny Thin from uh, Eight Five Six. Uh, it's my friend Greg Walsh, who was a longtime hardcore Rochester, New York hardcore guy, and then also very big in the, the BMX scene. Um, and then uh, a guy named Steve Crandall, who is the owner of FBM Bike Company, and also very much in the punk and hardcore. So. Uh, you know, Sonny's also, uh, like amazing, uh, 
Flatland DMX rider. Um, so the combination of, of the three of them, I mean, then they're all obviously doing entre- entrepreneurial stuff, but that was kind of going into it. I was like, I wanted to focus on, on people who came from like punk DIY, you know, action sports, like, like worlds that like I always connected with. Cause those are like, you know, you know, uh, hardcore BMX and skateboarding, um, even though there's really no, not much skateboarding at all in this, but like, those are three things that were like always, I always connected with. And even all these years later, like, you know, pushing 50, um, those, those are things that I'm still very much interested in and think, you know, they take up a lot of my mind. So those things combined with, um, obviously as I've gotten older, trying to make my way and make a living on my own, um, that's another big interest. So I wanted to combine all those, all those things. Um, and, and, and what really came out of it was, was not, it was more about how their, their determination and the, and the path they chose to follow. Um, and it's bigger than just like a business. It just encompasses their entire life and the, the way they think and, uh, you know, the ups and downs and, and what they had to get through. And, and I think it's, it has, um, I think, you know, it's entertaining, but I think it's also inspiring in a way that it's a lot different than you might, you know, typically get from a lot of kind of like self-healthy things. It's like really easy for someone to say something and tell you um, like how to do stuff or like what you should be doing or you know, how to think, you know, your mindset and all these types of things. But when you hear from people who have done it for like 25 plus years uh, and they give you examples and they, basically illustrate their whole their journey for you it, it, it puts it in a different perspective so i mean that's that's really what this thing does i think yeah i mean they're living it and you're documenting yeah. that that's super rad yeah yeah no i mean i'll be honest with you like i had a i, I started filming the thing uh last uh spring spring of 2019 and then you know, I finished filming uh, October 2019, and then you know the holidays came, and 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 then 2020 happened, and it was been. Yeah, I don't need to go into the details on 2020. We all know what that's about, but it's been a rough go trying to get this thing done. And and really, what got me through was the words of these four dudes. Like, like every time I wanted to just kind of throw on the towel. I, you know, I'd go and sit down with, with the stuff and I'd listen to what they were saying to me basically. And it would just kind of inspire me to keep going. It's like, I can't, you know, I got to push through and make, make this thing happen. You know? Yeah. Super rad. So how can people watch and uh, support this project? Yeah. So right now, um, I'm not sure when, when this will be coming out, but, uh, pre-orders, we're taking pre-orders right now. We're doing it through, um, a site called gum road. You can get all the details if you go to my website. It's codexprojects.com, C-O-D-E-C, projects.com. And basically, taking pre-orders, it's going to release on November 20th. So if you order it now, you'll get an email at midnight, November 20th, with a download link. Um, There is a promo code. So the promo code is preorder2020, and that'll get you 15% off. Yeah, I love that. All right, say the website one more time. It's codecprojects.com. Codec, C-O-D-E-C, yeah. 
Say it. Yeah, sorry. It, uh, sorry to cut you. It's not a podcast if I don't cut you off. But you say yeah. it. You say it. You're better yeah. at it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. C-O-D-E-C project.com. All right. Everyone handle business. Go to that website. Pre-order it. This is coming out on November 9th. So you got to pre-order that shit, and you got two weeks to wait. It's dropping on November 20th. Handle business. You know what's up. You also know what else you got to do. You got to subscribe to this podcast. You got to like it, rate it, review it wherever you listen to it. Also, if you want to go the extra mile, you can go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south. Become a patron. One dollar gets you behind the paywall. If you can hook it up with more, that is much appreciated. You are my personal heroes. And let's get on with the pod. Hundred eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? This week we're doing another Super Seven, and this one we're taking on Boston, one of the great cities for hardcore in the history of hardcore. Now, help me out. You know him, you love him. It's Dan Sant from Over My Dead Body. How you doing, Daniel? I'm doing quite well. Yourself? I'm doing good. Thank you. Also helping out two weeks in a row because the people demanded it. It's that dude who played <laughs> bass for the vows. It's Rob Moran. What's up, Rob? Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, because we're doing a city that we don't live in, you got to have some representation, right? Someone who can slap us when we're wrong. And so this time around, <laughs> Clevo, thanks for joining us. What's going on, man? Thanks, man. I know I've been bugging you on online to let me on the pod, so thanks. Yeah, this is a good first one. This is a good first one. We need someone to uh, to set us straight because you know me and Daniel are gonna go astray. I don't. I don't know where Rob's gonna go, but we'll see. Now, Daniel, can you explain the rules for anyone that's listening for the first time at, on one of these Super Seven pods? Yeah, so we do this in a like a fantasy football style. So if a you select a song, doesn't mean the band is out of play, but it does mean the song is taken. And you are aiming to build a great seven song playlist of all the best, all your favorite Boston hardcore songs. So um, we did the uh, the D and D dice roll, and I ended up in. Number one pick again, uh, Rob is. But I will hasten to say the highest roll was a seven out of twelve. You know, so it it was. We were all pretty shitty. Um, it goes me, then Rob, then Clevo, then the Nard Curse. All right, yeah, and then just to clarify, it is hardcore punk, and then we we let punk adjacent in, even though uh, you get shamed <laughs> for it. So, uh, yeah, that's that. So, Daniel, let's go. Uh, you're number one. What is the greatest song in the history of Boston punk and hardcore? No pressure, dude. I know. And I, I'm, you know, the thing that we do, like, with the fantasy football thing is, like, okay, it's a pretty no-brainer what band should be chosen to be number one. But then you also think, like, I've got all these other songs, and I've, 
strategically do I play, you know, but that being said, I'm going to maybe lose something else and I'm going to go SSD glue. Yes. It has to go number one, right? As a former member of the San Diego glue crew, I would have to say yes. Um, there's something about SSD that is so interesting. It's like they're contemporaries with minor threat and stuff, but they're so brutal. Yet they have these musical intro parts that are um, almost like otherworldly, like non-hardcore, you know, like almost like they have like one pseudo reggae part going into um get it away there's also like um a cool intro to this that the minute it's almost like the minute al clicks the pedal is when the songs just go mental but i love the sentiment of this song i love the the almost silly poetic nature of like saying you got to stick together like glue because um, glue is the thing that actually sticks the other things together. <laughs> but I really love this song and uh, it it was an early song for me to listen to in in this genre to, and it was so abrasive. I was like, oh no, no, put Minor Threat back on. And then slowly but surely you learn to love this, you know? Well, and his voice is just so perfect for it, right? Like the, the, the Springer, like singing. Yeah. Like it wouldn't have been the same if it was like a different voice. You know, it's like this song is custom made for this recording, this song, this voice, everything is fucking perfect. It's like a unity song. It's got it all. It it had to go number one. And uh, I mean, you cheated on the role, but uh, at least you chose (laughs) the right song, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Any of you guys want to chime in at all on this, Rob or uh, Cleva, before we move on? Uh, the only thing I have to say is thanks, Al, for finally putting at least get it away on streaming services. You know, his stance that if you weren't there, you don't deserve to hear this music is fucking bullshit. But, uh, you know, the the social media, whether it's Nancy or Al writing those posts, and I think we're pretty sure it's Nancy writing those posts. Yes, but, yeah, I yeah. think it is. Now that they have social media and, you know, um, get it away is online. At least we can, at least we can stream that. Um, so that's, you know, thanks for coming around. Maybe, maybe some of that Spotify money, Al can buy some, some wings at Kowloon. Uh, <laughs> you always see him posting. Well, uh, um, my boss, Brian has been, uh, corresponding with Nancy and Al, and it seems like 90% of the correspondence is from Nancy, you know, like he's been buying like a couple rare records from them and, and it's been Nancy doing the, the whole transaction, I think. Oh, I did want to add, uh, I, I see Al driving around in his truck every once in a while. So he drives an Escalade with vanity plates. Uh, and I, I see him at target sometimes, which is kind of funny. <laughs> what well, what's the vanity plate? Um, do you want to take a guess? I'm going bro, bro him. How we rock. <laughs> it's X claim. Yes. That rules. 
That's like that's the feel good story of the night. I, I think we should just wrap it up. We'll leave it at glue. We'll leave it at glue on the exclaim plates later, guys. All right, but uh, yeah. Great, so great first choice. Great first choice. I, I agree. I mean, the something about SSD was so different is that they musically it was so disjointed. Some of the riffs in 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 the cadence don't make sense yet because of the lyrical content or and Springer's delivery, it, it just gels and, and glue is a prime example of that. It is so brutal and raw and tribal. Um, it, 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 it pumps through um, so amazingly well on, on glue. Um, it's not my favorite SSD song, but it is an absolute fucking banger for sure. I, I think tribal is a really good, uh, you know, nomenclature for this song because the it's just it it is like almost like primal you know yeah well not to make you blush rob and talk about you while you're on here but it's 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 a way that we sometimes uh talk about like unbroken songs is like they feel like they're going where you feel it needs to go like and that's kind of how some of these ssd songs are i think like it just seems like they're getting in a room and they're like going where the song leads them. And like somehow they're able to harness that and go there because these don't seem like songs that like a dude right by wrote by himself in the bedroom. You know, it's like they're yeah. getting in a room, they're feeding off each other and they're like, where should the song go? They're not like following a formula, you know? And that's why yeah. this is so magical. Yeah. I mean, you, you nailed it when you were like, is the perfect voice for the perfect song written in a certain way, recorded a certain way. I mean, it is all these, these perfect elements coming together. Yeah. You can clearly tell that there's a kinetic energy going on. That's like piecing this thing together, like the whole record. I mean, um, get it away as a whole, um, it feels that way. And, and this is a prime example of that. Probably running on fear from Al. <laughs> the whole band like, oh shit. <laughs> I gotta write. I something. love that then when he was probably like what twenty years old, they called him Dad already. Like that's <laughs> just like I think that's all you need to know about that band. <laughs> just the same way that Don is coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rob. Let's continue with you. I, Dan, he had the second poll, right? Yep. Okay, Rob. We're okay. going to you. Number one pick. This number one pick. From 1983, Get It Away album, Nothing Done by SSD. That is my favorite SSD song for multiple reasons. Um, Lyrically, it it just speaks of fear, especially like what's going on right now politically, right? I mean, people don't care what's going on. It's like, oh, it's happening to them. It's not happening to me, you know? So nothing's being done. And now they're coming after you, like, what are you going to do, right? Because no one stood up and ever did anything. And I think that that still rings true, you know, 30 plus years later. Lyrically, it still holds up. Musically, it's such a fucked up, disjointed, written song. It's the type of stuff that I love. Um, and and there was a, a band, SoCal band from uh, uh, um, Orange County, believe maybe LA uh, called addiction that turned into end to end. I know Mandel put out the discography um, or reissued the, this EP, but they did a live version of, of nothing done. And, and I, Oh, it always resonated with me. Um, their version of it, 
and it harkened back to like, wow, like, you know, 12 years later, 13 years later, that song still matters. And then here we are 20 years beyond end to end covering it live and, and releasing it on an EP. And it still resonates like every time I hear that song. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's my number one choice. I love it. You know, one and two. I mean, this is a band that deserves it. Like this EP is like one of the goats for sure. Anyone else want to chime in on this one? It's just how ferocious it is. Like you can imagine that members of Discharge like listened to FSD as a major, major influence. Do you know what I mean? Like you can hear that furious attack in Discharge later on, you know, on another side of the uh, world. Which, which is funny because they were originally influenced by Discharge, you know, like taking taking their name and, you know, also just, you know, just playing like this fast and all over the place crazy. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. So, uh, yeah, let's go on to Clevo. What's your number one? So with, for the first non-SSD pick of the night, I am going to go Last Rites with Chunks. Yeah. Oh, we just discussed mine. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I think you guys, you guys said a lot about this on the A side, B side. Um, I personally uh, pick chunks. The, the the chunk side is the is it, it, it's just the banger. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's kind of got that same 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 thing with SSD too, where it's just like just like all aggression. It's just like, you want to run through walls when you hear this, you know, it's like, you know, it's a crew song. It's like, you know, whatever we do, we do as a crew. And yeah, it's also, it just like when it switches into the, the, the chorus that, that just chorus riff and, and choke is just like, like just losing his mind singing. It's like, it's like, it is like the perfect song. Yeah, I mean, it's iconic, right? You're several seconds into it when the guitar kicks, and you're just like, yeah. You know, ultimate cover song, right? Like, you're going to have the crowd rush the stage. You know, absolutely it's, love it's, it. It's funny because uh, when Right Brigade played those shows a couple years ago, when we played uh, the fest in Virginia, um, I was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to play Chunks. Like we, like, we need a cover. We definitely need a cover. We only have, like, like a 15-minute set. And we're going to play chunks. And then someone, someone like Jesse and I were at the hotel and someone said, like, someone told us one of the bands earlier in the day played chunks already. I was like, well, we can't play it now. Like, uh, so that kind of, that kind of took the wind out of our sails. But yeah, yeah it's, it's a great cover. You know, I would have just done it and done it better, dude. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Rob, do you want to chime in on chunks? Cause me and Daniel uh, beat it to death on side A, side B. Yeah. So, so chunks is a, is a ripper. I mean, obviously like chokes involvement in that it's, it's, it's awesome. That, that whole negative effects last rights um, record is, is awesome, but definitely chunks is like the standout track. I, I agree. That's a great pick. Yeah. Perfect. First pick. Okay. Uh, my number one, like Daniel said, you got to play a little bit of defense in this. And, uh, I have a lot of picks, but I'm playing full defense because I know there's a song he's going to take. 
and I want it on my list, dude. And I'm going way further into the future. I'm taking Dropkick Murphy's Get Up. And the reason being, it's a perfect punk song. Like, just starting with the little lead, and then going into the strum outs, and it's like the perfect fucking tempo. His voice sounds perfect. And then, like, I love when songs shout out to, like, other shit. Like, when he's like, Jake is the punkest dude, I do declare. Like, that is so ill. Like, two of the best things in punk and hardcore is, number one, paying homage to other shit. And then, (laughs) number two, is smashing on fools. Like, later. You know, like, uh, like hardcore pride, right? Now, it's you. It stands to the side. It's like, I like both. I like the homage, and I like the shit talk. And uh, this is on the side A. The homage, I absolutely love it. This is a perfect fucking song. And yeah, this is my pick because I knew Daniel was going to take it. And I wanted one dropkick song or I had one street dog song like backup because I wanted something with this voice on my list. But uh, that's where I'm going. Daniel, what number were you going to take this? Was it your seven or your number three? It would have been either seven or perhaps even eight. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> because I absolutely, I mean, his the song is incredibly like well written punk song, but his voice on this song is the best it has ever been and the best it will ever be. You know, like it just is perfect the way that he sings songs, the the verses, and then it's almost shouty on the choruses. It's really such a great song, and. When I got this LP on vinyl, like this song crackles on my vinyl now because of the amount of times I just picked up the needle and put it back to the beginning of this song, just over and over and over again. Like, what, in the early 2000s, I guess? Uh, late 90s. Um, I think this is 98. Late 90s. Okay, yeah, yeah. So when I lived in North Park, like, and my whole bedroom was built around like kind of a shitty mattress on the floor. And then my records like this, this and urban hymns probably didn't leave my, uh, around the same time. I have a, have them in my memory of them being around the same time on my turntable, like just taking turns, you know? So, um, yeah, it's a great song. I'm glad it's on the list. Now it makes me feel better that, frees up room for something else because I literally have maybe like 22 songs like picked as depending on what's taken and not, you know? Yeah. I took what it about first, you? I, I, I took Are it you first. To play, I, sorry. I took it first to play defense, but I think I, I was being too defensive. I'm still no regrets. I got it on my list. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to ask uh, Cleva and Rob if they are familiar with the song and what they think of it, if they are. I mean, it's a great song. Um, you know, it is, it's super catchy. Um, just that beginning. And, you know, again, to Zach, it also is like shout out. It shouts out Stiff Little Fingers. So it's just like, yeah. yeah. When um, I see the Stiff Little Fingers band. Love it. Yeah. Like, um, and, you know, the drop kicks, you know, it's crazy to see them playing on the infield at Fenway Park after, like, I saw them at the Rat. 
So, yeah. uh, you know, just the meteoric rise that they've had, you know, I, I mean, I never want to hear that song from the departed ever again, but, um, and, and I do, I do prefer the, the stuff with Mike over the stuff with Al mostly because they were more, you know, just like a straightforward street punk band as opposed to, you know, being whatever they are now. Yeah, I never got to yeah. see him with this dude because they came out like pretty soon after this record came out and he was already out of the band because they, they did that tour with Agnostic Front and I saw him at the Whiskey in 98, but uh, he was already out of the band. So, bummer. I have actually, I stole a poster from um, the Showcase in Corona, but the Dropkicks, because the Dropkicks, their tour must have come like a couple weeks after us. I still have it uh, for like the the do or die poster. And I was like, I was like, Oh shit. Grabbed it off the wall. Yeah. So I hope, I hope people, I hope people still showed up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniel, let's send it back to you for your number two. All right. Um, oh God. Now, now <laughs> the strategy is breaking my brain. All right. I'm going to take this one because I think somebody else would at least. And it, and it is such an incredible song. Um, I'm going, Oh, do I? All right. I'm going mission of Burma. That's when I reach for my revolver. What a song. Yeah, like, that's a great one. Oh, so amazing. Um, such amazing songwriting, such amazing performance. I love the, um, on the, well, I guess it would be chorus slash outro at the end where the two voices are harmonizing like so perfectly. That's when I reach for my revolver. And then there's another one going low. Um, it's such an amazing song and kind of uh, punk post-punk the the weird uh chasm in between the two it occupies really well and i mean anytime you hear the song you stop what you're doing and you just listen you know so uh that's my number two what do you guys think i love it i had uh i had a song on my list i was gonna to melt a brain or two by uh, maybe taking Mission of Burma number seven, but now I don't have to. So uh, <laughs> I, I can keep it real on the rest of my picks. Uh, I'll shoot it off to Robin Cleva. Yeah, I, I love this band. I love the artwork. I love the layout. I love the lyrics, the songwriting. It is like, it is like perfect, like kind of gritty pop punk type vibe to it. Um, yeah. I, this is a great choice. We love this band very much. Yeah. I mean, that's four for four because I positively love Burma. Um, they basically invented indie rock or American indie rock uh, with this. Um, it's, it's just uh, everything. I feel like everything they recorded, even, uh, you know, on off on their, their reunion album. A little bit after that, I, I kind of, I kind of fell off with them, but, Everything is just like, it's like so perfect. And, um, uh, if you wanna, if you wanna have some fun, go on YouTube and search for the Burma last show and you can see all the Boston crew stage diving while Burma's playing. Um, and the, uh, 
that live track at the end of the negative effects LP, uh, when Choke is like, we ain't going to stop. Fuck you. That's from the uh, negative effects open for Burma at Burma's last show. That's crazy. Did, did everybody have this on their list? Um, I had Burma. I wasn't quite sure which song. Um, but yeah, I definitely wanted to throw some Burma in on there. Yeah, I have Burma, but not this song. Yeah. Ah. Same. Burma, but not this song. We'll, we'll see how I feel uh, later in the list. Rob, let's go to you for your number two. Number two, uh, 1990s Slapshot, Sudden Death Overtime, the track Firewalker. That song is so fucking pissed. And I was so thankful I got to see them on that tour a couple times when they came out to SoCal. And hearing that album, going to Off the Record, uh, getting the cassette, getting the vinyl, and driving in my friend's car, and just when Firewalker came on. I mean, the whole record I love, but Firewalker was just, that is, to me, the just a very well done slap shot song. I mean, I know that they have the classic anthems on the earlier records, but Firewalker for me is, is their penultimate song. I would say it's just fantastic. Um, the lyrical topics, just kind of being anti-religious and then being a, a massive bad brains fan, but hearing choke scream, Holly is a fake is, is just like, was just surreal to me as a kid. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was just wild, you know, as as a kid, and it was just something that always stuck with me um, a, a, as a kid. And so for me, like that track in particular was was uh, something that just always resonated with me. Um, so yeah, that's my my choice. Before, before you move on, Rob, or before we all open it up, can you tell the story about uh, that slap shot? No for an answer show that was in that uh, crazy part of SD. Yeah, it wasn't no for an answer, but it was slap shot and um, God, I want to say maybe amenity. I know the amenity guys were there. I, I can't remember exactly who else played. Um, Might have been head first potentially, but um, yeah, I was in a neighborhood southeast San Diego. Across the street, there was like a, a laundromat and a taco shop and a liquor store. And during the show, we noticed as it got later and later, a bunch of bloods were hanging out across the street at the liquor store. And we're inside like watching an opening band. And then a, a people that were outside come barreling in through the front door. And they just said there was a big drive-by shooting across the street. Um, so we're inside watching this hardcore show and then across the street there's just like drive-by happened and we're all wondering like well what the fuck do we do do we leave do we stay and the promoter was like oh the show's just gonna keep going and then Slapshot played and by the time we like walked out of the venue like whatever happened across the street was was, was over with but it was yeah it was kind of scary and it was like 17 when that happened was That's it fucking nuts also well, just real uh, quick, Daniel, sorry. real quick on this show was it uh green cat liquor at the four corners of death <laughs> i don't i never heard of that i don't even know what that is oh <laughs> uh, well is i think it's where euclid uh crosses with imperial yeah uh no it, it wasn't it it was that area but it was not um yeah, it was not a corner. Like it, it wasn't. 
there was no major cross street. It was just like on a street and this just happened to be a VFW hall across the street from this little strip mall. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, yeah. Speaking of people being scared at this show, can you tell us what happened during the Slapshot set? During the Slapshot set? Didn't, didn't uh, Choke have his hockey stick and scare the shit out of Dan O'Mahony? Oh, that was... <laughs> yeah, that was at a different show. That was a different show. That was at uh, Spanky's. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting shows blended. Yeah, so, yeah, we went and saw... Um, the show at and Danny Mahoney was there and while Choke was singing he had a hockey stick and like pretended to like swing it and Danny Mahoney kind of like flinched. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Um yeah, that was up at Riverside Spankies. Yeah, same tour, just a different night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Robin, so, after, after a judge played Chula Vista, what did you go and have to eat? <laughs> Not his place. <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, let's shoot it to Clevo for your number two. Uh, my number two is uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Jerry's Kids. I don't belong from the Is This My World record. Awesome. Um, you know, uh, something I notice on these is we we pick a lot of opening tracks to records because opening tracks are, are usually bangers. It's like you're always gonna put like this. You're gonna put you're gonna put your like your your best song up front like to catch people as a hook, but uh, yeah, this opens this opens the the Jerry's Kids record, also on Exclaim, and uh, you know it's a classic. You know the, the I don't belong. You know I'm a fucking misfit. I'm I'm a weirdo. I'm into punk rock, and it, it, this is another one that like a lot of early Boston hardcore really seems like it's just gonna fall apart at any moment. Um, and this is one of those songs where it's, it's um, you know, it just, it's, it's another song that just like pumps you up and just like, it's just like, so, um, it's just like so perfect. And just, so I just like, I just want to hear the song. I want, I just want to run through walls. Um, stop and think, tried covering this maybe once or twice. And I'm sure it was the worst thing ever because <laughs> songs that are about to fall apart, bands that are about to bands that, um, aren't the tightest trying to play songs that are about to fall apart isn't a good combination. So uh, I apologize to anyone who came to see us when we played that. Cause it probably wasn't very good. <laughs> I, I love this made the list. Um, I think that like Jerry's kids and gang green get like totally underrated. Um, and the craziest thing I was listening to, like the gang green, the demos, I think it came out as like a CD called old school. That is like some of the most, out of control music I've ever heard in my life. Like it's so fast without like being the scissor beat. And like some of this stuff is totally like that too. It's just, it's hanging on by a thread, you know, and just, yeah. Speed and aggression. Love it. Glad it got on. Daniel. Jerry's kids also suffer from having like one of the greatest names that it almost overshadows their output in a, in a strange way. Um, (laughs) And also, a lot of people have discovered Cherry's Kids, The Freeze, and Gangrene by um, seeing squashed pictures and over-pixelated bullshit out on Tang, you know? <laughs> so it almost doesn't frame it in, in the best manner. Um, yeah, definitely. This was, you know, and this is, um, the X-Claim stuff kind of suffered from, from not being available. I know Tang, Tang 
Kane reissued this in 1990, but it didn't really seem like it was, uh, you know, as available um, still, even though even though it was reissued in the early 90s. Um, you know, and that's kind of that. That's just like one of the downsides, you know, of Al. Like back to what Al, you know, if you weren't there for the music, you don't deserve to hear it. He he's not keeping claim in print. You know, he he did dump some of it off to to Tang and to some other people, but. Um, yeah, I think that's why a lot of this stuff kind of kind of gets overlooked or gets lost, just because it, it's not as available. Yeah, or was it? Yeah, if it wasn't in the vernacular for all those years, it's hard to pick it up if there's like a, a six year gap. But okay, um, what do you think, Rob? Uh, I mean, I, I I I like Jerry's Kids, but they weren't like uh, like one of my like favorite Boston band. And I think there was just other stuff that I was kind of more into, I, I guess the kind of what was just said, right. The kind of the more popular kids in school during that era, you know, I was kind of more into that stuff. <laughs> okay. I'm going on to my number two and I'm going to take, I'm going to pluck a big dog, dude. I got to do it. And I got to go old. I'm go, I'm taking DYS Wolfpack. This is one of the greatest fucking sing-alongs of all time. Everyone knows the words. I hope everyone still knows the words. You know, like, I obviously miss this band, but Course of Disapproval covered it. You know, and, like, it was huge when they did it. And this is, like, on all my best hardcore playlists. You know, it's just, I don't know, like, the ultimate kind of chant. You know, you have Slapshot that does, like, a chant, but this is, like, a song that's also a chant. I'm trying to think of other things that would like kind of be like it. And I can't, which is wild because like this formula is created that long ago. And it's like, no one really touched it since like in this effective of a way. So like it just stands alone. And uh, that's my number two DYS Wolfpack. Daniel, what you got on that? I, I mean, it's an incredible song. If DYS had never come back, <laughs> this probably would have been one of my first picks also. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> in, in affliction gear and uh, oh, I just, it was just, it was too rough to handle. <laughs> you know, and the, the song about the Boston Terrier. <laughs> I just can't let them off, but seriously, this song is amazing, and the chorus cover is amazing too. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. But yeah, what do you what do you guys think? I mean, it's 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 a classic. I mean, obviously, um, you know, we were talking talking before about stuff being being available, and um, Tang Tang put out the the Wolfpack record slash cassette like in 89 or 90 i remember getting it like when i was in high school because i was always like oh dys like i it's one of those things where like you know dys was a band probably still when i was first getting into punk or hardcore but like those records were just not available to me like i'd never heard ssc or never heard any of that stuff until until much later but that Wolfpack cassette came out i remember getting it and like this is the first song on it and i was just like holy shit like my like 17 years old, like my whole world had changed once I had heard that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a ripper. It's like a stomping, like punk, like hardcore. Kind of has like a again, kind of that early Boston tribal sing along sound to it. Especially this track, and um, yeah, I mean it's a it's a classic record. I mean, to Daniel's point, it is hard to take um, years later seeing it live again, but it was. But definitely for the document that it that it was in that time, yeah, it still holds up. The classic. And and a little known fact is the bass player of this band played on the No Runners seven inch. John Anastas, he plays bass in DYS. <laughs> so while we were while we were doing the layout for the No Runners seven inch, Rob just kept singing over and over again, like and got Mandel into it. Is he John Anastas who plays bass in DYS <laughs> over and over again? And then it, it came to a point where, what did we do? Did we flip I, a coin or did we? No, I just said, fuck it, just say John Anastas played bass. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head and I was so obsessed with singing that. And Mandel was like, yeah, fuck it. He threw it on there. Well, no, there was something because I was anti it, and then we, it was either probably Philo Game for it or something. Yeah, there was something that we did where I lost, lost spectacularly, and in the layout it says John and F just played bass on these recordings, <laughs> and then um, Al from uh, oh, my mind just went blank. Al uh, with the fancy. Uh, God. Suburban voice? Yeah, yeah Suburban Al Suburban Voice reached out and he's like, So when did John play on these recordings? I'm like, it wasn't John Hester, sorry. It was Rob. Thank you for that, Daniel, and let's go on to your number three. Okay. All right, I am going to strategize here. This may not have been my number three. There may have been a couple ahead of it, but I know I know other people are going to take this, so I am taking it now. Suicide File, a song for tonight. Yeah. What an epic tune. Um, this, like, you... You hear Suicide File on the EP first, and then, you know, you're even listening to the um, LP all the way through, and then this song comes on at the end, and oh my God, what a show stealer. Um, Weinberg's voice on this sounds incredible. Um, Niraj's songwriting, also incredible. Obviously, Jared on drums, impeccable. Um, just that, I'm fucking freezing. And then the way the song ends with no, like it just falls away, you know, like flash. And he just screams the last line as the, the there is no finality to the, the music. It just kind of, each instrument just kind of stops. And um, I think it is the perfect way that the album ends, and it is the perfect way that this song ends. I, I'm glad I grabbed it because it is a fucking 
360 degree banger. Yeah, I would say that this yeah. is the song that uh, bumps Suicide File from like really, really, really good to great. You know, because the EP is awesome and this record is fucking awesome. But to cap it like this is like, oh my God. It's like next level. Like you hit the slow song and knocked it out of the fucking park. And Daniel, you're right. Yeah. Like, though, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it bookends perfectly, right? Like the way it comes in, wrap your arms around me, I'm fucking freezing. And then the way it just like kind of trails off and like falls apart. Like to hit wow. a high note like this on the end of the record is just like you're, you're almost just like in awe of it. Like, okay, you win. Like, I'm just going to stop writing music. Like, I can't hit on that level, so why try, you know? Yeah. Incredible choice, incredible song, incredible band. Like, yeah, that song in particular is the um, the ultimate. That band um, was so good, and they got better and better, right? As as they uh, tightened up as a band, songwriting, changed um with subsequent releases but that song like being able to do a burner like that um is awesome great choice uh, yeah this is this is such a standout song the only thing that i would say about it is it's like it's such a standalone track for suicide file like this is just not indicative of them i don't think like like the the rest of even the rest of, it doesn't sound like the rest of the lp it doesn't really sound like anything on the EP, like, but it's just like, it's just such a force and it's like in your face. And like, it's, it's just like, it's, and it is like at the end when Dave, when Dave, it's just Dave, it's like, it's just chilling. It's a really good point. Like, I think that, yeah, it does sound nothing like, suicide file like it, it i don't want to say it sounds like a completely different band but it doesn't sound like their normal song structure their, their pace as a band like well yeah. i i do think yeah it it's kind of what zach said it it's they're so good and so amazing at what they do but then the emotions got to them on this one in particular that just took them into that next level where it was just so like open heart surgery of as as a song you know oh de- I, oh definitely and it's, it's a great album close <laughs> like you know we talked about opening tracks like this is like a perfect album closer because it just it, it just leaves everything on the table like you know that they had nothing left at the end of that song yeah yeah i think i think both you guys said it perfect um i agree with clevo like it's this is, it's like, I don't know. Like, like I said, like, this is the song that like pushes them to the next level, but like, it's also not like, it's not a song I would play for someone if they're like, so what a suicide file sound like, you know? So it's almost like, uh, it's not a secret gem, but it kind of is like for, if you're already a big suicide file fan and then you're like, Oh my God, they can go there too. Like, fuck. It's just gnarly. It's I, I love the pick. I, I think it's a smart pick, Daniel. Um, and if there's space, I might take another one that I think uh, represents well, them perfectly. And not to mention Weinberg's absolutely viciousness on the mic. Uh, <laughs> if you're at the show, you are getting clowned. You yeah. are getting 
eviscerated. You are getting clowned. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, don't sit in the front row at a comedy show. Everyone knows. Uh, Rob, let's go to you for your number three. My number three it, from the 2001 album Give Blood, Annie Up. That's my number three. Oh, yeah. I Bane is such an important band to me. Um, just musically, aesthetically, friendship-wise, lyrically, everything about this band. I, I, I don't want to say that like I got out of hardcore, right? Because even when I stopped playing in bands and there was kind of this three-year gap, I, I was still booking shows and going to shows, but I wasn't really involved in playing music. And, and Bane was one of those bands that truly got me excited about hardcore again when I heard the, the first seven inch and then to watch them grow and get to this point. And I, I do like pretty much everything they've done. This song in particular, you know, about the grind of, of singing, the grind of like being on tour and, and like giving those hug goodbyes and quick hellos and moving on and, and kind of having to sing again every night uh, with that same emotion and same energy. Um, you know, this song to me represents like everything that Bane is and what a workhorse that band was. Um, and, you know, having the pleasure of like booking them a few times in San Diego, touring with them a few times. Um, they were everything I love or still love about hardcore. Um, that's why I, I picked them in that song in particular. Yeah. I love that that you're like inspired by someone doing something so great. You know, like I just said, like suicide file does a song like that. And I'm like, okay, it's time for me to quit, you know? And it, it like affects you the opposite way. Like this has motivated me to create again. Um, and, and what a band to do that. I mean, whether, you know, sometimes bands come through hardcore, I think, and whether you like them or you don't like them, they're just an undeniable force that you have to like respect it. Um, an example for me would be like death by stereo. Like right when they hit after the first album, like that stuff didn't resonate with me, but like you would see them and it would just be like, this band is fucking great. Like, I don't know why this isn't resonating with me because like they're an undeniable force. And I think that like the people that aren't into Bane, like they got to feel that way as well. Um, but I don't know how you don't get into something from Bane. Cause it's just, it's undeniably good. Like you're going to find something in the catalog you love. Daniel, what were you going to say? I was just going to say what a lyricist, uh, Aaron Bedard is like, like Rob says, the, he touched on some of the lyrical topics of, you know, the grind of the road, but like equating it to a hard, long slog at the poker table. Um, so seamlessly and poetic is amazing. And, um, it's, I mean, I absolutely, I always think of the line. I've said some awful things to some real good people, like the regret, you know, that when you're alone in the van and everyone's asleep and you're just replaying all the shameful things that come, you know, to mind when you're by yourself sometimes, like that just uh, is, is such a great thing for someone who thinks too much when they, when they're supposed to be switching off and their brain is going a million miles an hour, that line really uh, resonates to me. Cleveland, yeah, um, 
just uh, you know, to echo, Bedard is just such a gifted lyricist. My only quibble is going to be that Bedard would straight up tell you that they are not from Boston; they are from Worcester. <laughs> True, but but the the country re- regards them as Boston hardcore. You know, if we're taking Fugazi but, as a hardcore band, we'll take Bane as a uh, Boston band. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I win again. <laughs> I win again. Yeah, I think that his his lyricism is is amazing, and also just in the way that Bane doesn't have like a straightforward like four four formula. You know, it's not like you know we do the verse riff four times, then we do a chorus a couple times, and we go back to the same verse. Like a lot of times that that creates a palette to write lyrics to, but it can also be limiting. But then the other thing is like if you have unorthodox song structure, it can be hard because you have to fit lyrics into that as well. But I do think that it makes some of the best strive like Aaron strives in that formula. Um, another example I would use is uh, Dan from Downpressor. All of their early stuff like had like the songs didn't have a structure. It was like part and then this part and then this part. And I always like listen to that stuff and I, I'd be like, fuck, this would be so hard to write to because sometimes you write a hook and you're able to like milk it. Like I'm going to write a sing along or whatever. And it's, it can be challenging in these songs where you don't get to come back to the hook necessarily all the time. Um, But the greats can thrive in any environment. And I think that Aaron as a singer um, and his lyricism is like a testament to that. Yeah. And I mean, you think about like who's in the band, like Zach, like being in a band like Barrett, right? Like that band is insane. And so, you know, he's talented and, and Aaron coming off of, you know, Jane Doe and, 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 um, you know, being in Converge, right? So they, you know, they have these technical chops to write really off the wall, uh, timing signatures, but still fit within this hardcore mold. And uh, yeah, to your point, Aaron really thrived in that environment from uh, like vocally and, and lyrically. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Zach. Cause uh, he took a loogie for me once. Um, we were playing a show in Houston, I think. And it was weird. Cause we were at this house all together. Like, I think we had food together during the day and our host was this one lady. And then at the show, she got like way too drunk and I can't remember what happened, but she she did something and then like I called her something and then she got really mad and she like hawked this giant loogie like right at me and I ducked it and Zach caught it right in the face. <laughs> but uh, so she, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I, uh, I should have tried to catch it in my hand instead of dodge it. But uh, what can you do? She was drunk, dude. And I don't know what happened. But uh, yeah. Okay. Let's go on to Clevo. For your number three. My number three, I'm going to go um, with The Trouble, Dead and Gone. Um, so you probably are familiar with the American Nightmare version. Um, but this is the, the original, um, you know, Gibby. Gibby, who went on to do the pan- to, to do Panic. Um, this, is, this record is, I, I could have picked any song off of this record. This album, front to back, is so good. And it's also, um, at the time, um, in Boston, this would have been like 97, 98, 
there were kind of two scenes. So there was the, there was like, you know, the, 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 the new youth crew scene, um, the hardcore scene. And then there was the rat scene that was a little more punky, um, you know, drop kicks and showcase showdown and, and all those bands that they shout out on that song. Um, that was like the other scene. And, um, my roommates at the time were booking shows, um, Dickhead United, shout out to them. Um, and they were trying to do really varied shows and trying to get like the scenes together to get more kids to come out. And the trouble is like, we don't want to play hardcore shows. And that was such a missed thing for them because so many people missed out on these guys originally because they weren't necessarily playing like straight hardcore shows. They were playing more punk shows. Um, but yeah, this song, you know, like I said, any song on this, you know, it's, it's, you know, got a little bit of a street punk feel to it a little, you know, it's punky, you know, you have a, a, a singer wearing a white belt and a bell and Sebastian extra small shirt on stage singing about like, you know, just like straight up, like straight up, like ultra violence. It's, it's like, it's so, it's, it's such a perfect record. Yeah. Daniel, what do yeah. you got on this? Well, uh, they may or may not be on my list as well, but not this song. So, um, yeah, it's incredible. Like this song compared to all the others is a bit more, um, I would say less catchy and more discordant. Um, but I mean, it's hard for the trouble to not be catchy. Like the songs are perfectly written and I, I really love the whole record. I really love everything about them. It has like the, almost that reggae beat at the beginning, you know, yeah. with the guitars. And then, you know, it goes, when it goes into the verse and, and, you know, and then at the end when it's just Gibby singing, you know, each day a reminder of my mistake, each day yeah. a reminder of what it takes. It's, uh, you can tell that he's like, uh, there's a little bit of channeling Ian Curtis a bit on the talkie. Uh, delivery of the voice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, they obviously cover. I mean, they cover Insight on the album. So yeah, yeah, I oh, love this album. I love this band. Um, yeah, I, they're on my list too. Not this song, but yeah, they're on my list. But yeah, this fucking record is perfect. Copy and start to finish, everything about it, the the layout, the the recording, the music, the songwriting, the lyrics, just everything about it is a perfect like gnarly raw street punk record yeah i love it absolutely love it all right i'm gonna take my number three and i'm going daniel shout out to daniel um because i'm taking Slapshot chant indie in your face can't have one without the other you know the chant is the fuck okay? So first off, I've never been fucking straight edge, you know. But I love hardcore as much as anyone, and most of my favorite hardcore bands are straight edge. And so that's a, it's kind of like a fucked up thing you got to deal with. And I remember when uh, Ten Year Fight played Laser Star. It's like I think there was like eight people singing along to the song, but like the show was pretty packed and sick. Clevo, you remember that show, don't you? I, I, yeah, I remember, I remember bits and pieces of it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're playing like a laser tag place and like we did shows like in the area where you would go have a pizza with your family and move the tables out of the way. 
Um, but I remember like this song and I was like looking at all the other people singing along with me. I was like, hell yeah. Seven out of the eight people here, like aren't edge, you know, like we're the ones, <laughs> we're the ones that know the classic material, you know, like this is not like a, like a better than you club, which it comes off as a lot of the times. Um, and shout out to Todd Jones, the only straight edge guy singing along. Um, but yeah, kill any man with a beer in his hand. Cause if you drink, you're not a man, like. Fuck, if you don't think that's funny, like, whatever. I don't fucking care about your opinion. It's great, straight edge or not. And then just to kick in. I mean, Slapshot, they do the best job of, like, their riffs are, like, as catchy as the vocals. You know, like, if you think about this song, if you think about, like, Chameleon. Chameleon. You know, like, every song the guitar part is like almost as catchy as the lyrics and like choke is not going to let the guitar like one up him. So he's going to come in even catchier. This is one of the greatest bands of all time. This song though is like the catchiest. It's got a huge chorus. It's like, right. It's the best slap shot tempo, like the up tempo, not fast, not slow. You know, you got a slower, like hang up your boots. You got faster, like set it off. It's not set it off. Step on it. And, uh, yeah, but this is like right in the fucking zone. I love it. It's my pick. It is Slapshot. Chant in the in your face. What's up? Cadence. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. That yeah, I just saw Slapshot actually not that long ago. Um about a, a year ago. Um seems like I guess forever uh, during lockdown, but yeah, it was last year they came to town. Played a bar. Um and it was so great to hear all these songs play. I, I, I wish they did the cadence. <laughs> they obviously didn't, but, <laughs> but they did play it. They did play the song and it, it, it was awesome. It, like Choke's voice is still great. It, you know, he still had some, some great stage banter. Uh, but yeah, this song is a classic. Album's a classic. Um, it's, it's a great choice. Daniel? Yeah, um, we uh, Ten Yard Fight covered this song for the um, for the Slapshot tribute comp, the Boston Drops the Gloves comp. So, you know, obvious, obviously, it was like the we had to do it. Like they were like, we want you to be on this comp, and it was basically we had to do this song. That was like we didn't have a choice. So, um, you know, it, it's that goes back to um, you know talking about last rights and and um, you know just choke, just that 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 oi influence that, you know, I think that it, it goes throughout like all of Choke's band and, you know, and that, a lot of the catchiness I think comes from that. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to, shout out to Jeff Jock on vocals. <laughs> Daniel, what do you got on that? Five people that get that joke. <laughs> shout out Jeff Jock. Daniel, what do you got on this? Um, what you guys say in particularly, but just the way that choke can growl and be extremely tuneful at the same time. And, um, basically, yeah, even on straight up hardcore bangers, like bring an element of the oi melodic singy voice to it. Uh, it's why they resonate so hard with skinheads all over the world, you know? Okay, Daniel, let's go to you for your number four. 
I am going to tell the boys I'll see them soon. Uh, American Nightmare postmarked my compass from the first LP. This song is unbelievable. I, I was going to choose either this or I See You Are Feeling Drake, which is really cool too. But um, I'm going with this one because the break where it goes, you know, uh, tell the boys, oh, you know. Yeah, it's the best part. This, yeah, you know, it just... It is incredible, and then when the you know the guitar comes back in on that part, and it it it's somewhere between all hell breaking loose and like a stomp at the same time. You know, like it's very uh, it's just emotion filled, but it also has just this mean hardcore stomp behind it as well. And I think that's what they did more than anything is able to bridge the gap of like absolute pure raw emotion with pissed off, amazing hardcore music, you know? And I think this is the, this is my favorite song. I would say this of is, theirs. This is the best song. I think, I think, you know, as, as like a casual American nightmare fan that wasn't a hundred percent on board until this LP, this is like the, the standout song I think of, of what like catapults them to greatness. Um, but yeah, it's just me. Clevo, what do you have on this? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, going, going back to what we said about, about Bedard, you know, Wes also just has a way with words and, you know, I, I also feel like AN is just such like a time and place band for me. Just, just because, you know, it was, the end of sort of the end of that youth crew revival thing in Boston and, you know, everyone just started like doing different stuff. You know, right brigade was happening. American nightmare was happening. Um, you know, panic was starting. Um, and you know, all the, all the older bands were, were breaking up. Bane, Bane was still doing their thing. You know, suicide pile was starting up and, you know, it just was like a changing of the guard and, you know, just it's crazy the influence that you know american nightmare was was started as a joke on the rev board it's like wes was like i'm starting a band like i'm playing drums like and like it was just started as a joke to the to the point that like just became like this huge thing that that so many people were just all over but they they were really they were really the ones who did it and they did it well rob what do you have on this yeah, great, great choice. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this record is a classic. I, I think it's a very important record, lyrically, musically. It, it set a gold standard of what a hardcore band I think could be. Um, you know, start to finish every song. Um, yeah, I see you're feeling Drake is, is you know my personal fave on this record, but the. Yeah, obviously, postmark is killer, but yeah, there's no no denying that part of the force is not just the music; it's the sonic delivery of how Wes does his vocals and 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 the lyrics behind it. You know, I'll never forget when you know the 
only thing I ever heard was like a demo or something from them. And I kept hearing about this band AN and how people were going crazy for them. And I heard this demo. I was like, why are people going over crazy? Like, this is horrible. Like, why are people into this band? Then we played a back to school jam. OMB did. And I saw AN and it fucking blew my mind. I, I was like, this band rips. And, um, and then I remember, um, you know, that night ended up staying at Wes's place and we just talked all night and I ended up getting, uh, he dubbed me a copy of background music before it'd come out. And I was just listening to it a lot. Um, when I got home and I was like, Hey, I, I don't, I, I really want to get the lyrics to this because it sounds very important. Like what you're saying, like, I can't make out all the words. Um, and so, so he emailed me all the lyrics and then it just further solidified like how important this band was going to be. Um, not, not just to me, but I think to, to people in general. And the fact that when they've done these reunion shows, people like come out in force to, to come watch them play because there's something there that's very visceral um, from an, an emotional and sonic level that people want to be a part of that feeling. Um, so yeah, the, the, to me, they're very important band, um, from Boston. Yeah. I, I will, um, say that I agree with both Rob and Clevo in the same way here that the people need to tap into this, especially if they discover this band after this band was done. And these, uh, reunions are so important for those people and it, means the world to see these bands that they've poured over these lyric sheets with the most amazing like prose as the lyrics. But I will also agree, agree with Clevo that it was a time and a place. And I don't want to sound like Al Burrell saying, Oh, if you weren't there, it's, you know, but when they did the reunions, I just was like expecting to feel a certain way. And it didn't, capture me like that because it was such a time and a place where the urgency and the insanity of what it was then, especially like Tim bomb with the, with the gate on like when they would stop a song and it would be that noise ringing out and they would tune real quick and then just come straight back in with just, just manic, ferocious energy and emotion. And uh, to see them later on, it just, it just, couldn't do that for me but that's not to say that background music and the first two seven inches are some of the most important hardcore records in my entire collection like they've meant the absolute world to me and that's why this song being my favorite one of them has to be on the list so you know and that was you know talking about that time like you know hardcore in boston was pretty stale at, at that point. And then here you have a band that, you know, is, you know, taking, taking from all of these other things, you know, like, like, like from, you know, like screamo and, and like just this lyrical place and just like putting all of this stuff into a blender and making it happen. It was so new at the time, but how many bands have tried to do it since then? Some well, some, some not so well. Yeah. And I think that that's why, you know, if you see AN now, it sucks. Like they're the originators kind of of the, or at that time they were. Um, but, you know, the fact that, you know, they took the ball and they ran with it. 
And then to see him now and it's like, well, yeah, I've seen other bands do this, but, but it, you know, like the other bands don't have the lyrics, you know, and, and they just do it so well. The other thing I wanted to say too, is it, it's a shame that that demo sounds bad because the songs are good. Um, and if you hear the songs, like you would see the songs live or if they've re-recorded those songs, those songs are still good. It's just a, such a shitty recording. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I just want to I want to push back a tad on just like the time and a place thing, just because I think that when you put out an LP this good, it it transcends and it like lives forever. Um, and and I didn't see them on the reunions, and I saw them a bunch of times, like in their first incarnation. And like I've said before, I'm not a I, I'm not a super fan, but this LP is so rad and like still holds up. And part of the reason I've talked about it before on the pod. But it's just the vocal delivery is so abrasive. And I love that it's like multi-layered, right? Because I was I was thinking in like the late nineties, every all the singing was like so safe and sounded like decent. You know, and then a, a exactly. lot of stuff in the early two thousands as well. Like a lot of the hardcore bands in the early two thousands that were playing like semi melodic, it's like you know, your mom could come into the room and you're a teenager and she's like, Oh, like Johnny's listening to good music, like whatever, you know? And then I was just thinking like, isn't it crazy that a band that sounded like youth today at one time was like one of the most popular bands. Like in my head, I was like, I don't think that a band this like that sounds that abrasive can ever be that popular again. Like it just didn't, it didn't make sense to me in my head. You know, that's like not metal and it's just like hardcore punk and super abrasive. And they came out and Wes's voice on this record is so fucking shredded and unappealing to the non-punk ear that like for them to like transcend and be popular is like fucking amazing to me. And it still is like listening to this, like that voice is so brutal. And then I, I love so much, like this type of lyrics does not resonate with me as much as it does with you guys, even though I a hundred percent respect it. What I love about it is, you have that abrasiveness, but then if you peel back a layer of the onion, like there's so much like depth there and that juxtaposition, you know, along with like the music and, and all this, like it just makes it so great and timeless. And they were able to like put it down on an LP, which is like the ultimate format. And I just, I just think it's timeless. Um, so like maybe the live experience is a time and a place or getting to see him like, you know, along the journey, but like, there's only so many hardcore bands that put out like a great, great, great LP. And this is one of them. So that's all. when I say, when I say time and a place, I don't mean the output. I mean, the feeling you get from seeing them live. I, I don't think that you or Clevo meant it like that. I just, I wanted to clarify like how, how yeah. much I think it's important that like when great bands are able to like put the stamp down and like actually, harness everything into a record, especially if it's an LP. I just think it's, it should be noted. That's all. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, transcending is, is a, is a perfect description for this record. I, I will say just kind of touch on one, one more thing. What's interesting is there's very, I don't want to say very few, right. But there, at least in punk and hardcore, a lot of people don't realize like what an instrument your voice can be 
and how you add texture to songwriting. And West was able to do that with this record. He did it with, with a lot of the Some Girl stuff. And being in the studio and watching him record vocals was, I'd never seen anyone record vocals like that, where it was, let me record two lines. Okay, stop, punch me in here a second before so I kick off the next line as the first one's finishing and realizing how you weaponized your voice on top of such abrasive music, it adds this whole other other layer of complexity to to songwriting that it's not just guitar, drums, and bass, and it's not just vocals. It's like vocals that are being used as an as an additional instrumentation on the on the album. And I think that's what was so fascinating about this record. And you can hear some of that how he's punching in and out. Um, using uh, different tracks vocally to punch in and out of some of the song structure. Um, and it was fascinating to me when the Some Girl stuff, watching him punch in and out and, and going back and listening to background music, I can hear some of what was going on with that. It was fascinating. Yeah, at the time, I used to hate hearing like the vocals overlap like that because it's like, you know when people make movies, like there's a couple ways to do it. Like, one is like to get full immersion. So you like forget you're watching a movie. You're like embracing the story and you forget about it. Or then there's like, you know, the Tarantino esque that like they're constantly reminding you that you're watching a movie. And to me, when, when people started doing that in the studio with having like the, the lyrics overlap, it took me out of it too much. I was like, Oh, this is like studio tricks. And I used to hate it. In fact, I used to never let Ryan do it. Like he had to like sing the whole verse and now I feel terrible about it. Because as soon as I started singing, I was like, I'm punching every fucking line. Fuck it. You know? But back then, like, it, yeah, it, it took me out of it. But I've learned to, like, embrace it. Um, and, Rob, let's go on to you for your number four. Yeah, so I was also going to choose an A.N. song. But since we just pontificated on it, I will do something else. <laughs> um, I, I, I will pick something that I, I, something else that was very influential for me as a band. And, you know kind of from Boston, kind of not, but they're Boston adjacent, which is that band Orchid. Um, Orchid to me was abrasive, gnarly, raw, but kind of a bit power violence, a, a bit crust punk, a, a bit mathy, uh, a little bit of everything. And, you know, I've kind of said this on other interviews of songwriting style and things that are influential thing. I, I like music that sounds like it's about to fall apart. That's not, so clean and Orchid is one of those bands that delivers just ripping music and gnarly um, just fast breakbeats and 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 breakdowns and and just gnarly uh, ebullition band um, but uh, so the song lights out by Orchid is is my number four cool I was gonna make you uh, commit to a track there but you you did my work for me <laughs> Daniel, um, how, how do you? Oh, go ahead, Cleva. Oh, uh, I I totally missed out on this band when they were around. I I don't, you know, we didn't really cross paths with them, and I probably was just too thick headed to to be like, oh, this is what I'm into. And I went back and listened to them later, and it is, it's really, you know, it, it's not what I was into at the time, but I definitely listen to this way more now. Um, the only thing I will say is, will is the chillest dude known to man. Like to, to, if you, when you meet Will, uh, cause Will recorded the, uh, the stop and big demo. Um, he was like, I had no idea he was an orchid when he recorded it. Cause he was just like, 
he was so calm and so mellow. And then to like hear, hear them. And I'm like, wait, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't go together. The fact that that's the dude that those sounds come out of. Nice. Yeah. I don't, I don't know them at all. Uh, just been a fan, but yeah, that, that album dance tonight, revolution tomorrow. Well, the 10 inch, I should say, I believe it was a 10 inch. Um, yeah, I, I love that record and that track lights out in particular is, is, means a lot to me and was very influential when we started doing some girls in the songwriting. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a band that okay. always like did the worst formats, right? Like they did a 10 inch, they did a six inch. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need any of this, dude. Stop it. <laughs> They're definitely one of the signpost bands that modern noisy hardcore kids are name checking like, crazy these days you know it's it's good that their legacy has uh allowed for people to check them out and celebrate them uh this many years on yeah and it's another 2020 miracle they're gonna find out that rob moran likes them and uh makes their year so there's that (laughs) um yeah clevo let's go to you for your number four all right, um, I'm going to go um, with uh, Gangrene, Another Wasted Night, um, another al- album opener. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before about, um, you know, how Gangrene, those those early songs, the 7-inch the and, and the demos and the songs from um, This Is Boston, Not LA, um, they all sound like they're going to fall apart, and they're all like, you know, pretty juvenile and cause they're, cause they were kids. Um, but another wasted night, um, a little more melodic and the lyrics are, you know, they're, they're, they're way more introspective. You know, I've become a disgrace to this town. Um, I lost another friend. Um, so I drink really- Budweiser religiously. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Well, hi, you got you got to get somewhere to get to the wasted night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're still, you know, they're still fucking Boston townies. Come on, like, <laughs> like you know, you know, these guys ride hard for the Red Sox and and the Bruins. Definitely. I mean, yeah. what what Boston band doesn't? All right, <laughs> <laughs> ten yard fight. <laughs> I I love. Uh... I think it's the chorus, so it slows down, and then like yeah. where they hit when it goes fast again, like it goes fast again on the chorus. Like uh, it's again like a song where I think they all wrote it together because like it's not something that I think a dude would do in the bedroom. And it's like dun 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 dun, another wasted night. Well, ever do that, blah do that, blah do that. When it goes fast, it's like fuck. This song rips. I love it. This is a standout track. This album's great. And uh, again, you know, we knocked Tang for like the the shitty album, you know, the pixelated cover art and stuff. But it is rad that they keep all this stuff in press. Like you, you can still like go get it all. And it used to be super rad. Like when I lived in Oxnard and they had the spot in Hollywood, they they used to have all their LPs. Like you could get the Tang LPs for five bucks. And so like I would get them all. Like fuck it, I'll take a chance on this. And now like. Now it's even weirder. Like, I don't know, they're 15 bucks, and then it's like, it's 20 if it's on a color. It's a really weird store. And, but the Tang store in San Diego will like 
give you heavy ego about your record collection because you go in there and you're like, oh shit, like these records on the wall, like I got that and they're selling it for like 75 bucks. You're like, what? You know, but <laughs> that's all I got. So are, they, are they selling it for 75 bucks or do they have it listed at 75 bucks? <laughs> yeah, it's well listed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, this is a great album, great track. Uh, yeah, Another Wasted Night, Protected Serves, Skate to Hell, like classic, classic album. But yeah, Another Wasted Night is awesome awesome track yeah and like i i embrace the budweiser stuff because the craft the craft brew revolution can kind of it can wear on you after a while like oh sick another ipa like can i just have a budweiser you know come on (laughs) well as an as an edgeman um i i live vicariously through my wife when she enjoys a a bud light that's her drink of choice (laughs) (laughs) respect Um, well i mean could this possibly have had a slight influence on Another Night Alone? A little IC track that has kind of a similar vibe. I, I wish. I wish I could like say that it was, but uh, it wasn't. That was just me being sad. Just two Budweiser-loving dudes <laughs> separated by 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that was just me being sad, dude. Way, way to bring up uh, bad times. Okay. Oh. My, my uh, number four... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're getting to it because I'm looking at my list is as long as Daniel's, and I'm like, what do I need need in here? Um, I'm not gonna play defense on this one. I'm gonna take it because I need it, and uh, not to make you feel awkward, Clevo, but I'm taking Pit of Equality. It's just a song I can't live without, and it is one of the catchiest hardcore songs ever. You know, like. Of that era, you know, we did a three-hour podcast on 90s Youth Crew, and it's like Tenure Fight and Floor Punch stand out so much. And it's like, why is that? Well, I'll tell you why it is. It's short songs that are catchy. So it's like you get the aggressiveness, the song's over before you're sick of it, and you know every fucking lyric. And this song, I wouldn't say it's the best Tenure Fight song, but I would say it is the catchiest one. It's the one I can't live without, and... That's that. And I'm going to save Daniel. I'm not going to sing the chorus because I've sang it on like three different pods. But uh, I would say seven pods. Okay. But it's so rad. I mean, like, I don't even know how you write something this catchy. You know, like, you listen to like pop songs on the radio and you're like, oh, that one's actually like pretty good. You know, like, how do you write that hook? And it's like, here it is in a fucking hardcore song. Like, what? Like, how did that happen? It's too good. I love it. I'm taking Tanner Fight, Pit of Equality off the 1995 demo. What's up? Classic Unity Mosher. Yeah, dude. Clevo, how good is this song? Yeah. So, you know, this was, I was not in the band yet. I had, uh, I actually had just moved to Boston in 95 and I was going to college at Northeastern and I was, you know, wearing some, some hardcore shirt one day and, Rama, who did Big Wheel Records, walked up to me. He was going to Northeastern at the same time. He was in the same program I was. And when we started talking, he's like, he's like, oh, you know, you like hardcore. He's like, I'm putting out this band. And he gave me the 10-yard fight demo. And I was like, oh, this is this is cool. Like, this is like hardcore that I like. You know, it's not like it's not like metalcore. It's not, it's not like, you know, slow, sludgy, whatever. It's not like, it's not weird to be weird. It's like, 
it sounds like it sounds like the hardcore like I was like that I listened to and then uh yeah just like through Rama like meeting these guys you know ended up being roommates and then you know through lineup changes you know because lineup changes always happen you know I just I went from being the roadie to ending up being in the band and you know it was it was cool because they were my favorite band at the time and you know I got to be in my favorite band and go everywhere with them and fucking sing stupid songs about straight edge brothers in the pit together and you know songs about football from like probably three and a half dudes who didn't care about football (laughs) (laughs) daniel what do you got on this classic material um i mean the demo and then uh the song on was it the anti-matter comp or and it came with an anti-matter seven inch perhaps no it was um how to be straight was on one of those it was uh extent oh yeah 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 so the demo plus the proud to be straight song like i mean i was in 100 percent, you know and you know i have a casual like for american football um which i do not like anymore since the spanos stab in the back and the, the team now referred to as the LA Chargers are completely dead to me. Um, but I was, I mean, this is hitting me in my sweet spot of exiting up to go get Del Taco. You know, like, this is like hitting me where, oh, you're singing religiously about straight edge? I am in. And it is like classic hardcore that is catchy as fuck. I am in. <laughs> you know? So. I loved it, still love it, um, and it's a great pick. Yeah, and we got to get Clevo as a fan, so it wasn't it wasn't that embarrassing. Um, yeah, Daniel, let's go to you, number five. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Since. Since Clevo took the trouble, and Rob is probably going to take a trouble song, I'm going to flip and go The Explosion, and I'm going to go God Bless the SOS by The Explosion. Yeah, that was Excellent my choice. choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to do either The Trouble or The Explosion. Uh, Sam Cave, basically the songwriter for both bands musically. Um, absolutely incredible. But uh, Million Dollar Matt as a as a singer slash <laughs> vaudeville entertainer <laughs> uh, vocalist, like amazing. But um, the one-two punch of No Revolution and then God Bless the SOS may be arguably the best one-two punch of an opening two tracks on damn near any record. You know, um, I love the way God bless the SOS, like goes to the stomping kind of like kick drum led part, but it's so tuneful and so sing along. And they, they were one of the best live bands ever, like for this genre of music. Um, I love that there's hardcore influence and street punk influence, but it's, also 
just as much influenced by pop punk and it really creates this just wonderful pastiche of punk music you know like it's an absolute incredible uh song that could be you know covered by like a Katy perry or covered by a blah 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 to make it like a pop song like you were referencing about pit of equality like when great songwriting is there it's just there and i love what the song's saying too you know the being proud to be, you know, with the losers and the creeps. Um, yeah, I love this song, and I'm I'm glad I snaked it. Daniel, I think that you chose the explosion for one of your favorite LPs of the '90s. Is that the correct podcast? Well, 2000. Oh, the 2000s. It's 2000. Okay. Yeah, for the year 2000. Yeah, and so because I love your opinion, you know, I went out and got this record, and. Because it got repressed in the last year, I believe. I bought it at Program in uh, Fullerton. Everyone should go to that shop. And uh, while we're on Fullerton, shout out to Adam Lentz. Um, and I love it. It was a it was a great recommendation. And I hope I never get too washed up that I am not going to follow the things that my friends like. Because uh, you got good taste in music. And I bought this LP and I listened to both sides two times and enjoyed it. And then slid it into my collection forever. And uh, yeah, so stoked. I'm glad I got it. And everyone check out the repress because it's out there. Uh, Robert Clevo, you have anything on this? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I'm bummed that that was going to be my next choice. So I gotta, I gotta think of a plan B, but yeah, <laughs> the song is so good and seeing them live so many times. I, I, I think she's must've seen them at least a dozen times. Um, yeah, we, we went all the way up to like together. Every time they came, we went to every show, LA and down, like all four shows that they would hit, you know? Yeah. yeah so we saw them, saw them a lot. Um, yeah, this record, this song is it, just a perfect fucking punk song, um, on, on every level, uh, this brilliant songwriting, brilliant musicianship, like Andrew's such a great drummer. Um, yeah, I, I, I love this song. I, I love this album and, um, yeah, I'm bummed I didn't get to pick it, but I'm glad it got mentioned by, by other people. Yeah. The only time yeah, I ever saw is- him, Oh, sorry, Cleveland, to cut you off. I'll go to you after. Oh. Um, yeah. The only time I ever saw him was we played with him in Indianapolis and it was like one of those things you're on tour and we got put on the show and we're like, fuck yeah. Like we're going to play with the explosion. There's going to be a shit ton of kids, but it turned out, nope, the explosion played with in control and no one was there. Um, and, but they were still fucking great. That's the only experience I have with them until Daniel uh, rekindled my interest. And, uh, and I was stoked. Clevo, sorry. Uh, this is hands down my favorite explosion song. Um, but also, you know, you say no, no revolution to God bless the SOS, but also reactor, like those three songs in a row are just like, it's like bang, 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 like starting off the album like that. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's tuneful. It's, it's, you know, it's heartfelt. like the lyrics. I, I, I think, you know, the lyrics, they, they might not be like, you know, poetry or literature, but the, but the lyrics are, are, are with the music just go together so well. Um, I'm super bummed because right before quarantine, the explosion was supposed to play Boston. And that was like the, probably the, the last like event that I was actually going to go to before everything got canceled. So 
shit. Super pissed about that. Yeah, they were playing. They were playing about, and they haven't played Boston in in forever. They've done a bunch of shows in New York. Uh, you know, like well, a handful of shows in New York the past couple of years, and Philly, and maybe Jersey, but they haven't they haven't come back to Boston in so long. I was so excited, just get to hang out and and see them. And then it was like, I think they played the show the night before, and then it was like, yeah, we're not we're not safe, we're not comfortable driving to Boston, like with a pandemic about to hit, so they canceled. Fuck, what could have been? Um, Rob, let's go to you, number five. Number five, and so I'm going with uh, Converge Fault and Fracture off of Jane Doe. Um, I, I find this record to be highly influential, genre bending, genre changing. Um, the, the recording, the music, uh, Jake's vocals, the lyrics. Um, this album has it all, but this song in particular, I find to be very influential for me, um, just as, as a songwriter and, 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 um, and what they've done for hardcore, I think as, as people and as a band from, from the label recording studio, um, everything that, that Jake and, and these guys have, have done, um, I think it speaks volumes to the impact they've had on Boston hardcore and, and beyond and, and to see them grow as a band album after album. Um, but this song was the moment where, you know, I enjoyed the earlier stuff, but, but that Jane Doe, when this song hit, I was like, fuck, this is a game changer um, of, of a song and of an album. So that's my, my number five. Yeah. I mean, definitely everything they, they did is insane, right? Like their mark has been left 10 times over, um, both with the band and the label. I remember the first time I saw them, they came through, I think on the forever comes crashing record and played the showcase. And it was like sold out. It was just like, this is fucking insane. You know? And, and another band, like how I spoke of Bane, where even if like, it's not your thing is, it's completely undeniable not only like as a band, but just like their contribution to the genre in so many different aspects. Daniel, what do you have on this? Converge is undeniable uh, influence influences um, the way the music is crafted. Like you know, the word brutal gets thrown around a billion times for bands, but no. This shit is fucking brutal. Um, the thing is with Converge, like they're not, they don't speak to me as much as they do many other people. But one of my favorite live experiences is watching people watch Converge because the music is so erratic and insane and and hard to move to but people want to lose their minds to it. So it's this weird thing of seeing people like shake and almost spontaneously combust to the band until like a, like a, a breakdown that is quite apparent comes along. Um, I don't know. I, I really love Converge. Uh, I remember trying to tell them which song I really liked in front of Rob at the Che. Um, asking them if they'd play it, and it was, you know, the one that 
has the alarm clock at the beginning and it, it has almost like a Spanish matador kind of music to it. And I started singing the thing and Rob just led them all in laughing at me. So thanks to Rob for that. Um, <laughs> they did they did play it and they did shout it out with some probably sideways remark, but uh I know that Jane Doe is such an absolute masterpiece. I just wish it could feel that way to me. I wish I was in on it like everyone else is. But it just I something about it, I'm just it's not doesn't I don't get it, I suppose. Well there there's smart people that like that stuff and then there's people like you and me that you know, pit of equality is like our apex. <laughs> as far as as far as I can go, Clevo, do you have anything on this? No, I, uh, you know, I'm just gonna say I'm not a fan and leave it at that. Cool. <laughs> and let's go on to Clevo for your uh, number five. Okay, um, I'm gonna go a bit of a different direction than a lot of stuff we've put, picked so far. Um, I'm gonna pick Wrecking Crew. Why must they? Uh, from their album Balance of Terror. Um, a lot, uh, like, we, we we keep bringing up that, you know, Boston Car- Hardcore kind of has the sound, but Wrecking Crew, despite being around, you know, in the, the you know, the, the mid to late 80s, into the 90s, um, they're more influenced, uh, I feel like, from New York Hardcore, have more of a New York Hardcore feel. You know, Contemporaries was sick of it all, and Biohazard, and Leeway and just have more of that type of sound. And this song uh, became, you know, after Wrecking Crew broke up, uh, 4 4 Big Block used to cover this, and I think some other bands have covered it, but it's, it's kind of like a, was a Boston hardcore anthem for a while. And it's, it's just such a great song, and I, I feel like Wrecking Crew is just a band that uh, is really overlooked. Um, uh, not a lot of people are into them. They're, uh, they have a 7-inch, uh, and then LP, and then I think they did a seven inch after that with uh, with a uh, different singer. Um, but yeah, the the first seven inch and the LP are just like just like classic '80s hardcore, a little bit of a New York scent, a little bit more, um, you know, uh, a little a little more, um, you know, I don't want to say tough guy, but you know, has has kind of that feel to it, you know, uh, you know, like that late era Agnostic Front, uh, you know, Liberty and Justice era, Cause for Alarm era, Agnostic Front. So it's just a great song. Uh, I wish more people knew it. I'm glad something made it in from like that gap. Like I was hoping like Wrecking Crew or Eye for an Eye or something like that would get on here. Just like to to span all the generations. Uh, Daniel or Rob, do you have anything on this? Okay. Uh, let's go oh, on. Oh, I was, for, I was waiting for Rob to speak. I, yeah, I was on mute. You know, I, 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 it's funny and, and I'll probably get crucified for this. I always thought they were a New York band just because they were always lumped in with like killing time, sick of it all, that whole thing. I, 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 I never really heard them that. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of at a, at a loss. I, yeah, I don't really know much about wrecking crew to be honest, which is shameful. I, I should actually follow up on this, especially if they're that that kind of style but yeah i just thought they were a new york band um so yeah that's bad on me <laughs> daniel i mean they do they do definitely get lumped in with that and they i mean that's who they played with 
but like if you sound like that and like those all bands were all around it's like it makes sense were they on hawker or like in effect or something they were on hawker because they're on the first time i heard him was on the free-for-all comp correct yeah okay yeah it's all coming back now (laughs) um and for you san diegans um they do uh they do a battalion of saints cover so that's That's awesome now rob can feel extra guilty um i'm gonna take for my number five i'm going i gotta take up blood for blood song it's gotta be off the first record and it was hard like spit all your hoping spit all over your hopes and dreams can't heal but i'm going soulless i just think it it hits on like every tempo and this band was so fucking good and this first record in particular, like it has such a big, heavy sound. And I think when I bought the CD the first time I read the back and like they recorded it in three days, which is pretty insane to get that sound in three days. Like they must've been tight as fuck in this era, but soulless, like the way it comes in, it's like the same, they hit the same tempo of the can't heal song, which I think is really underrated. I'm surprised that more bands haven't gone for it. Like the whole, like it's just this chunk like beating you in your chest like that rhythm it's like kind of a up-tempo drum beat but then like the guitar is like attacking and it's so brutal and then solus it starts with that tempo and then goes fast and then goes to like one of the most underrated things in heavy music which is going to like the youth crew tom beat with like a heavy guitar over it, which is where it hits on the chorus. It just has everything. And then at the end of all that, like going twice, then they do like to the drop part, the I believe in nothing, like big sing-along. It's just got everything. If you like heavy hardcore music, it's here. So my uh, number five, Blood for Blood, Solace off the Spit My Last Breath LP. Daniel, do you have anything on this? Well, the way I feel about Blood for Blood, is kind of uh, oh sorry Stella is a similar way I feel about uh, Death Threat like a casual listener will listen to it and be almost um, disrespectful you know will think it's funny and silly but you give it a few listens and wow you click into the groove kind of you know um because whereas, you know, if you listen to something for the first time and you hear White Trash Rob, like, doing a, a sermon at the beginning of a song, you know, it sometimes can be, you know, comical to the untrained ear, I suppose. <laughs> or maybe even comical to the trained ear. This this first, uh, <laughs> this first record, though, is, like, before that, before he started, like, chiming in more. Um, like he's, true, he's, true. He's but, the main songwriter. It's still, like, sheer terror worship, but, like, with a a more brutal recording. Um, yeah. Sorry to cut in on you though. Well, I, I love the way um, a lot of their songs sound like they're about to fall off a cliff, you know, like, and then it, um, but in, in particular to this song, I think it is, it, it's a really good representation of the early sound of, of when they were a bit more straightforward as a, a band and it's a killer song. I just, uh, you know, 
I don't know if you're going to be like selecting any Jeffrey Epstein songs or anything next, but <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's a uh, bummer the way that stuff played out, but like this record still is undeniable. Clevo, go ahead. I'm glad you picked this because I was going back and forth for my last pick between Wrecking Crew and Blood for Blood. Um, yeah, this, yeah, like, um, just that, that whole, like, that whole, like, not that it's so much, you know, that they're just like a straight sheer terror ripoff, but it's just like that sheer terror style, you know, uh, and, you know, going back to like, you know, sheer terror, you know, where sheer terror got their sound. It's definitely uh, Blood for Blood goes back to the Celtic Frost well too, with just like that sound. It's just like it, it, it's you know, a, it, it's what hardcore, you know, like hardcore punk should be. It's it's it, it's outsider music. It's it's abrasive. It's not for everyone. And the lyrics, like I, you know, it's like just straight nihilism. Uh, I probably was I was gonna either go with uh, Piss All of Your Hopes and Dreams or. Um, or or soulless. So yeah, I I was almost I was almost there with you. You weren't gonna go for so common, so cheap. <laughs> Is that off like the the later record, the blow up doll thing? No, no, I think it's off the second record, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I, I enjoy Blood for Blood. I mean, I you know, I, I yeah, I think that some of the 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 Rob's pulpits, it's kind of funny and, and, you know, and jokey, but yeah, I always, I always found them to be like this abrasive freight train, um, musically. And yeah, I, I, I enjoy them. You know, I had them as like an honorable mention on my list for sure. I think something like else. Yeah. I did too. Sorry to cut you guys off, but one other thing that's like spectacular about the song is just, you know, there used to be a giant divide between like more traditional, like in the lane hardcore. And then it was like tough guy stuff was like a sub genre. And thankfully it's all been merged now. Everyone likes everything, but like, you know, people used to really brush off a lot of stuff they considered like tough guy. And, you know, and a lot of that style would never be accused of being lyrical, but this song if you like look at the lyrics, like there's a million fucking lyrics, like they're laying it down here and they're taking no shortcuts. Like this stuff is, is like, I think sonically it is somewhat in the sheer terror vein, but also like, I think the reason why it gets compared to uh, like that a lot is because lyrically it's also there. It's, it's dark and it's troubled and it's someone like laying everything out there. Um, I think it's very underrated yeah, I lyrically. Ne- I never found them to be like lumped into that tough guy genre. I found them. I mean, I think the sheer terror comparison is, is perfect. That that you know, kind of Clevo mentioned. I mean, it's very much. Uh, I feel that it's almost like outlaw hardcore, right? It doesn't really fit into any kind of box. It like it takes cues from kind of different pieces of of hardcore and melds it into this like kind of party train of of and so I've, yeah, I, I never found them to be like kind of that, that tough guy vein, but definitely found them to be like kind of more of like a kind of outlaw, kind of hardcore, kind yeah. of on fringes type stuff. Well, what, what I think 
gets people lumped into that being regarded as tough guy hardcore is the crowd that comes out to see them. And you instantly, like, some people can be just turned off from that and never give a band a chance because some serious knuckleheads come out to go to those shows, you know? Uh, one of the best times I ever saw them was they played the uh, record release for the first In My Eyes LP. So it was Floor Punch, Blood for Blood, and In My Eyes, which is just like just like such a great show. Just like if those, and I, I think like Open Up, I think Open Up opened up. Um, <laughs> Uh, with with Brian Masick uh, in the band, but then uh, yeah, um, Simone. But those those three, um, you know, Floor Punch, Blood for Blood, and, and in my eyes, just like if you think about, if you just think about that for a second. Uh, <laughs> it was, but yeah, so that was like because I definitely seen them play shows where it was like like you know was pretty brutal, but at the same time, you know, they were they were open, you know that that's the thing is they were open to playing shows um you know with other bands because they're like hey those you know those it, it's more of an audience for them you know they they were trying to like you know be a band and like you know play shows and and do it full time so you know playing to a bigger audience was, was always great for them and uh yeah they those some of those shows were just like super fun to see them play and they were they, they were always great you know and rob's banter is rob's banter which totally kind of off topic but if anyone's heard that 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 band Skinhead that everyone's been sitting around from Spotify, that band is straight up just Rob's banter parts from Blood for Blood set to music. <laughs> what, what's it called? It's called Skinhead. Okay. It's on Spotify, and it sounds like Rob Rob's banter parts from Blood for Blood set to music. I'll check it out. They played uh, Laser Star and Oxnard on Easter Sunday, 1999, to about uh, 50 people, and it was a rager. And uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those things where, you know, it just puts a band on another echelon when you see them play to a small amount of people and just like turn it out. You know, it was it was epic. Um, Daniel, let's go to you for your number six. Okay. Well, I have to have arguably one of the best lines in any straight-edge song ever. Uh, when you sit around and talk shit about everything you once based your whole life on, that's when you can count me out. Bane, count me out. Have to have this song. Um, I was, you know going back and forth between this and superhero. I think they're both incredibly well-written songs that I absolutely love, but a for the line I just said, and B because superhero does the cheat thing of the same verse twice Ramon style. Um, I'm going with count me out. Um, I think one of those songs that, it seems like it stopped its ending like three or four times throughout the song. Then it comes back in again. And it just, the way that it can ride the energy like that is amazing. And the way people just fucking lose their mind and the, um, talking about, you know, I mean, it's something Bedard does on 50 songs and 
talks about in between songs so incredibly is about what goes on within the four walls of a hardcore show means the world to us and other people won't get it. And this song starts like that, talking about it. Like I, you know, I find my uh, feelings going stronger every day. And then the song like cuts down to one guitar and takes off in another direction. And it's just an incredible hardcore song. It's one of the best of all time. Yeah. And I love it. Cause like they lived it too, right? Like a lot of people, you know, you put out one of these songs and then you're out of the scene like three years later. It's like they did this song early. It's like off the, it's off the either the second or the third seven inch. And then they lived it like for a long, long time, you know? And yeah, count me out and superhero are my two favorites as well. Daniel, um, Cleva, what do you have on this? Yeah. I mean, seven inch era, uh, Bane was just really, it was something to behold because again, they're, they're just kind of another band, you know, you know, they're, they're, especially by the time the third seven inch came out, it was like, there's just that heavy, heavy burn influence. And, you know, and they, they pulled it off and their shows, seeing them in Worcester, you know, was just something else. Um, you know, we were, by this time we were sharing members with them. So, uh, we started doing weekends, um, you know, and they, they, they would go around and play and they, they just blew up from that. It was, it was, it was just an awesome time. The, the song, this song is just fucking great. You know, talk about the scene and, you know, just, again, it's, it's, you know, Aaron Bedard, the lifer. And then the song, the song is basically what it's about. Yeah. Rob, you have anything on this? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think what was said by all three of you, like nails, like what, that song means what this band is about. I mean, I, I, I got to see them. I booked their first show in San Diego. Um, it was them and saves the day and they played to about maybe 15 people, 20 people, um, at a place called the empire club. And they played as if there was 500 people packed in that place. I mean, it didn't matter that there was 20 kids. Like they just went for it. And, um, yeah, they're lifers, right? They're still doing tours. They're still doing bands or, you know, well, no one's touring right now, but you know, they, they're all still involved. You know, the guards got antagonized was going right. So, I mean, it, it, it's awesome to have someone write a song as such a young band and then continue to still be involved in some way. It, it speaks volumes to, to who they are as people. And yeah, this song is, is great. I will say that. The, them taking OMDB on our first East Coast tour was a massive like help. But the thing that helped even more than anything was seeing this band like absolutely love what they were doing and love being in a band with each other. And I remember like we played. Uh, Rochester or Syracuse it was one of those two and we were going to get um, we were going to get like diner food afterwards and I was just like I don't know being really goofy and just like kind of moshing in place and like 
showing my ex hands like running across the street and he just Bernard came up to me and like put his arm around me he goes I fucking love how much you love being straight edge <laughs> like and I was just like just like the ex on the it was the cheesiest moment but it was like the most meaningful moment at the same time and I've never got sick of Bane like musically like in in a I could never get sick of these songs. I could never get sick of Give Blood. Like, I um, I could put these records on for the rest of my life and they'd still really, you know, warm something inside me because of the times that we shared and the moments that these songs have meant the world to me in this, in this fucking, you know, 30 plus year journey in this music, you know, like, they're one of the greats. All right. And Rob, let's go to you for your number six. Um, I'm going to pick something a little newer. Um, because I found this band to be really interesting. And, and they were, again, another one of those mile marker bands that this is every reason why I love hardcore, every reason why I still collect records and, and we'd go to shows. But it's um, have, have Heart, uh, Hard Bark on the Family Tree. Uh, from their album that came out in 08. That song had such an impact on me when I heard it. Um, it, it just resonated feeling and emotion and, and just talking about uh, you know growing up in difficult situations and wanting to leave and, and all these things. But, you know, and then seeing them live and, and, seeing, and hearing these songs live, you know, they that band has it all. And I think there's a reason why they're, fucking huge post breakup right like it's songs like this that are every reason why this band is fucking massive they i I, you know credit to them for writing such incredible songs for doing something that like fits within the hardcore mold but they made their sound their own and i found them to be very relevant and interesting and just one of those bands that got me excited that i still stayed involved with hardcore um so that's my number six. Yeah, you got to be good if you do a reunion and like 17,000 people show up. Right. <laughs> or, I mean, a shit ton, right? Daniel, do you love this band? I don't know her. <laughs> um, I, don't, I, I don't know them that well. I've never really checked them out. I, I Embarrassingly enough, like when I see that, you know, like you say, they play what two nights to two different ten thousand people crowds in a parking lot in Boston. Like I should have listened to them, but I never have. I, weirdly, they just probably came. I don't know, just something about it. Also, their album cover I really didn't like, so that's probably why I didn't check it out. That weird, like. 120 minutes looking one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really wish I had, and I'll shut up now so other people who love them can talk. Clevo, can you explain why this band connected so much with so many people? I actually can't because they they came about at a time. Um, you know, I had moved back to Ohio for, for a while to, 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 finish, to finish school. And, you know, I came back and they were like, you know, playing like these huge shows. I don't, 
that I just like, I don't know. I don't know where they came from, but like, um, yeah, I can't explain it. But also, you know, one of the things I, I think have part did this too, because they, they like, they were just like, we're just going to go, we're going to tour the world. And they like played in Africa and they played, they basically, and Bane did the same thing. You know, Bane was like, we're going to, we're going to be, we're ending this band on this date. We're going to do everything we can. And Bane went and they played all over the world. Uh, you know, and it's just like a, it's like, this is why, you know, they can have a reunion again on a hot, hot ass day in a parking lot and have, you know, 10,000 people out there. It's like they, they've touched, they've touched people's lives. And I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a generational thing or whatever, but it was, yeah, I, I, I've never, it never really clicked with me. Like not, you know, not to say anything, you know, despair, like not that it's a bad thing. It's just like, it was never, it was never my thing, but you know, like I'm obviously in the minority on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was just very much a, I think I was probably like mid to late thirties when this album had come out I and mean, I'll be 48 soon. And yeah. so for me, it, it, there's certain bands that just come out every now and again and they, they, they're again, like to use this, what I said before, there are these mile markers in hardcore of like this fucking record is it like this record matters. And especially this song, like lyrically. And when you hear it, how it just starts out, it's just so heavy. And then it just does this upswing using the same riff. It is a fucking stomper. And it's, it's just one of those things that I think that, um, I I think you had to be around to see them back then. Potentially, I think also too, like you know, if you didn't see it when it was going on, it might not have been on anyone's radar. I think back then, but yeah, I yeah, I love this band. I mean, they definitely toured their ass off, and they definitely played. They definitely played, you know, huge shows. Even you know when they broke up, um, you know they they were playing big shows for their for their last show so again like i said they they definitely they definitely made an impact and they definitely you know left their mark on people okay and clevo let's go to you for your number six all right i'm gonna go a little controversial here i'm gonna pick something off of the second dys record uh and i'm going with no pain no gain well, uh, you chose a good song off the second record, so not too I mean, controversial. This song is so I have to totally honest. I was turned on to this because this is on the half off covers. This on their LP, uh, so that's the first place I heard it. Uh, you know, later found out that it was a DYS song, and when I got the the DYS, uh, you know, the CD that had had um, both records, uh, the Fire and Ice CD. Um, you know, I heard this again. Um, also, if you hear this from live sets, uh, this song is so fucking great. And this is another, like, just put it on and just get so pumped up and want to run through walls and just want to mosh. And uh, funny thing about this song, when Stop and Think was driving out to record our demo, Joey C brought a tape and it had this song and um, uh, Wolfpack. Uh, NYC with Steve Reddy on vocals, and I think that there might have been like 
a couple Project X songs on it. So it was like a mixtape that had like five songs on it. And we listened to it on a loop the whole way to go record the stuff in St. Demo. Just like this song just gets you so amped up for everything. Yeah, my my favorite band, Dillinger 4, covered it as well. And uh, Did they really? Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it might have been on a suburban voice comp or something like that. It was on it was on a comp. That's probably why they did it. And that would make sense. But yeah, they did it. And then also, Patty, the bass player, he's got how much art can you take on his belly? So definite Boston hardcore fans. So yeah, this is, a, this is a great choice. I love this. And same thing. Like I remember that CD that had they had both. Daniel, are you a fan of the second DYS record? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I, I've probably never really given it a chance, to be honest. You know, it's like the only salvageable song, I think. <laughs> yeah, this is the only song. This is actually the only song you need. Actually, this goes into this. Actually, I could do, I could pull a Dan Sant and pull the, uh, the No Pain, No Gain into Held Back, but I'm not going to. I just want No Pain, No Gain. <laughs> it's the, it's the anti Dan Sant. I'm just taking one of the two that you could have had. Actually, Held Back is it? Held Back is probably the second best song on the record. But like the gap between No Pain, No Gain and Held Back is so far. Yeah, a distant second. A distant second. Um, How does this hold up compared to the DYS Boston Terrier song featuring Nicky Barrett? Uh, I mean, I would take any song on this record over the Boston Terrier song or the song where they're uh, where they're walking around Fenway Park and like Let's think it. What, what's that? The sound of our town. <laughs> same same song. Uh, same song. Yeah. Is that the same song? Yeah. 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 On a scale of a one to ten Kangle hats, how many uh, Kangles does this song get? Uh, no Kangles, but one lizard on the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> one lizard, one fedora. All right. <laughs> okay, I'm taking my number six. Well, it's coming down to two songs. I hope I get them both. Um, the song I I need them both. I don't think you guys are uh, to fuck me up here though. But first, I'm gonna take Suicide File. I hate you. Um, you know Daniel took the song that I think pushes them to greatness, but this is the song that I would play to like explain like what Suicide File is, like why it is like why they're so like tongue in cheek, edgy and perfect, you know, like this song starts slow, they're banging and they have like that powerful sound because all these dudes are great players and especially the drumming. Right. But this is like Dave's perfect tongue in cheek lyrics where he just like eviscerates you like, okay, these days, like so much of society is nasty and I love that shit. Like, you know, crass jokes and so forth. But it's like, do you ever hear like a dad joke that like gets you? And it's like extra funny because it's like, how does something clean make me laugh so hard? That's like how he eviscerates fools on this song. You know, like the irony is that you totally suck. You can look down on me and I don't give a fuck. Like who can pull that off except for him? You know, and like the whole the whole song when it gets to like that mid-tempo drive is just like an evisceration of squares. And this song is fucking perfect from like the the banging intro to like the mid-tempo raging and then like just a little lead at the end. It's like, oh, let me uh, cap this song off perfectly with a little lead. Fuck it. 
You know, I love this song. I think this sums up everything that makes Suicide File great. And uh, that's why it's my pick. I'm taking Suicide File, I Hate You, off the first 7-inch. And uh, Daniel, how do you feel about that? Banger. Absolute banger. You could choose anything, you know. On the first 7-inch, my favorite song is The Somme. But then, yet again, that's not typical Suicide File. It's a little bit different, you know. Um, but like you say, that line, I mean, it's taking, it's just ramping up the way he was in No Reply and like adding it to this music, uh, the Narage gems. It's, yeah, it's perfect. Perfect punk rock, perfect hardcore. Love it. Do you think that this is a good representation of the band Clevo? Yeah, I think I think it's you know um, especially early on, uh, you know I think Dave really Dave really wanted to do something again. Uh, hardcore was was a little was a little stagnant, uh, you know when Dave when Dave moved back to Boston, um, and he wanted to do something you know with a little more punk roots, and this definitely has it. Uh, one of my favorite things about the song is when they would play it live. Uh, he would always put it out to like one of his friends, like one of his like, like he'd always put it out to like nice people. Like he was one of his targets was always Rich Peruzzi. Like this song goes out to Rich Peruzzi. It's called "I Hate You," which like he obviously did not hate Rich Peruzzi. Uh, you know, and Rich Peruzzi is like the nicest guy. But Dave would out Dave would always like pick someone like that, like and just be like this. This goes out to so and so. I hate you. Like so, I just always thought that that was funny, and that's like typical Dave, like. He's just gotta like, just gotta like needle you a little bit, like like with the heckling, because he's so good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Rob, you have anything on this? Yeah, I love it. I, I I think what what what's been said is 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 accurate. I mean, this is a I find a perfect representation of of, of suicide file. It's biting. It's it's hard. It's uh very well done very well written uh ly- lyrically musically um like perfect suicide file song i love it okay and let's shoot it back to daniel for your final pick number seven. Oh my god um all right well um you know i i Oh, fucking shit. All right, I'm picking it. And it's not because we have a certain guest on the pod, but it's because it's absolutely perfect hardcore to me. TJRB slash up to our next stop and think. Like, Because the two for? <laughs> well, because, I, because I'm Dan signing it. No, because it is, it's actually listed as the same track you know even though they go into each other like even if you listen to it on spotify it's the same song you know um i think this is what hardcore should sound like you know i absolutely love it i remember like i i booked those stuff and think shows when you came out and uh I remember you guys clowning AJ about our old friend Father Time, the line in this song. You guys like were savaging him about it, but I kind of like the line. 
But I remember Weinberg telling him, like, so how long did you hang out with your old friend Father Time? Like, what? Like, we old college buddies? Like, <laughs> it was such a good burn. But um, I think this is, like, musically so good. Who wrote most most of the songs? Was it CC? No, it's uh, it was Joey. Um, oh, Joey, like... Joey, it was, it was kind of crazy for me because, you know, I come off, you know, I've been in 10 yard fight and then I was in right brigade and like those bands were already established when I was in. And then it was basically like, Joey was like, Hey, we're starting a band. Uh, we want to sound like the hard way by outburst. Um, you know, do you want to do it? And I was like, sure. You know, I'll like, I'll come practice. And then like, he had like, it was like, learn the hard way. And then, like, he had, like, a couple riffs. And then we kind of just took the songs, and he wrote most of them. Um, I think they had, CC had done another band for, for a minute, and I think maybe some of the songs came from there. And then, like, I wrote one song. Um, but, yeah, it was really, like, Joey brought most of the riffs to the band. Like, this was really his, this was his thing. Well, I love the way on, on, uh, the way the guitar just goes off by itself. And then when it comes in, it's almost like, oh, it's just, it, it is perfect hardcore. Um, yeah, even the intro part, that bam, 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 and break, and it kicks yeah. right in. Yeah, it's a great riff. I mean, so it's, cool. um, it, it, we've been outed, and actually, uh, that is a straight ripoff of, of an outburst song. No, no worries there. I mean, I don't know any hardcore band around that has not said, "Hey, we're going to take this riff and do this to it." You know, uh, Outburst actually shouted us out though on their on their social media. They're like, "Hey, we found out, we found out, you know what what this song what the song's about." So, um, yeah, so they're uh, they're they're cool with it. So, so we're okay. Like I, I was. It was either between this or, um, or without words. But I went with this. A to get the dance and two for in, and B, um, the our old friend Father Time just representing. <laughs> without words, it's shorter too. So if we were Desert Island in this, I get more bang for my buck with this. So I mean, uh, I absolutely love it. I. I love, well, Joey C being so sincere for his love of hardcore and it coming through. Like, I'm surprised he could even play any riffs with the amount of fist pumping he's doing <laughs> while playing, like, just nonstop. And I, I, when when um, OMTV played um, some, like, Knights of Columbus hall in, in Massachusetts on that terror death threat, that we did and we were kind of feeling it a bit that you know terror was the hot new shit and death threat was bringing out a harder crowd and like sometimes it was kind of like you know we play not as hard as those two bands obviously and joey c showed up in a junior sayow jersey and moshed the shit out of everyone for us during our set and i it like totally got the crowd participating and i always be grateful for that too um especially because he was in a say out jersey 
I, I have to say that, you know, you know, no, regardless, regardless of which song you pick, like that was huge that we basically had a demo had played like a handful of shows and like you and Mandel and Weinberg, you know, I don't, I, I think Weinberg was basically our, our go between or our manager for that. But, yeah. you know, to fly out to California, you know, and to play like awesome shows, um, you know, on a, on a demo and, and people were into us and when like, you know, Mandel, like, taking us around to uh, Cliff jump. You know, jump off of things in the water, uh, playing basketball every day, Dan, like what the hell were we doing? Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was like, that was huge for us to like come out and, and play those shows. And it was, and it was, the, no it was reply, just, the unofficial no reply last show really, you know, too. Well, well we played with, with uh, Life's Halt and Death by Stereo in Ojai. Yeah. And then we played that show at the smell with no reply and you guys and carry on. And then, uh, the show in San Diego with kill your idols, like all three of those shows were great. Yeah. And detox as a roadie as yeah. well. Detox coming, Weinberg coming to add comic relief. Yeah. Man, you know, Mandel putting us up Westbrook, giving us a van. Like, I mean, it was just like, like for for a band that like wasn't all that serious, it was like everything was just like handed to us for that weekend. Yeah, and the West Coast was was really waiting to see you too. Like people were fired up, so that was awesome. Yeah, I love it. Hardcore rules, and Daniel, love you taking the twofer. You got to live the gimmick. Don't break kayfabe. Rob, let's go to you <laughs> for your number seven. Number seven. So number seven. <laughs> Oh man, you and your inside jokes, man. <laughs> the um, so I, I was gonna pick uh, Academy Fight song from Mission of Burma, but we already kind of gave them their due, and and I don't know if anyone else has that on their list. So I, I I'm gonna continue with going down bands that like kind of inspired me that were important to me out of Boston, and Toxic Narcotic was one of them, and uh, that album, you know, they were around for a long time you know, 80s, 90s, and then put out this album in the early 2000s called We're All Doomed. And the title track off that record is just so fucking gnarly and so influential for me when I was doing a lot of the Some Girl stuff. It was very heavily influenced for me, guitar-wise. It was kind of the San Diego heroin swing kid stuff and kind of the kind of gnarly toxic narcotic stuff was like super important to me. So, um, so yeah, I'm going toxic narcotic. We are all doomed. That rules. Adam Les is going to be stoked. This is one of the bands that he loved and would always try to get us on board with. And, uh, I think it I, is a fucking rager. It yeah, is a rager. I think I was just a dick, which surprises no one. Um, but yeah, Daniel, do you have anything on this? Well, the patches are next to other bands that are amazing patches for a reason, you know, on butt flaps around the world. Um, this, this, I'm excited for when this playlist gets built for the thing to like, you know, to check, to go deeper into the have heart thing and go deeper into the toxic narcotic rec and, um, you know, other suggestions from you guys, but things that I know the name much more than I know the music. I am excited to, you know, go deeper um, because I can't speak 
I know what they sound like and I've heard them, but I can't break down the songs for this band. Yeah, that's one of the best things about this process, I think, is, you know, obviously I only have people on the podcast that I respect their opinions. And so it's always fun for me when someone chooses something that's not in my wheelhouse because I'm like, well, it got vouched for. I'm going to check it out. And 10 out of 10 times, it's a fucking winner. So that's awesome. Clevo, do you have anything on this? You know, um, I actually, so this record, you know, came out in 2002 and it's, I'm not familiar with this album or the song, but you know, they were part of that, you know, that the, the, sort of the other scene, the the more, the more punk, the more punk scene, the rat scene. Um, you know, I'd only seen them a handful of times. I don't have any of the records, but they're, you know, they, they are, they're, they're, they're great. They're just like, it was just like kind of different 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 scene at a different time that you know like you know you can't go to every show every weekend so it, it, it was a little difficult yeah i would say like you know vocally it sounds like john brannon right so it's like if you had brannon from negative approach singing for like swing kids or singing for you know um discharge or something like that's what it sounds like it is fucking unreal how good this fucking band is and yeah they are definitely part of that butt flap scene but it's they're such a cut above a lot of those bands they're they're really fucking good and and i hope people kind of discover them through this podcast because it again very influential for me as, as a songwriter well, if if uh, there's John Brennan vibes, I guess I'll have to check it out. Check it out. <laughs> check it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, especially this album. Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing to be the small patch, but, like, it sounds ridiculous, like the butt flap band. But, like, the butt flap band is very important. Like, that's a big spot. It's like the big patch on the back of the jacket or the butt, the butt flap. Those are like where yep. your prime bands are. And uh, hell yeah. Clevo, let's go on. You're number seven. Uh, this is so hard because I feel like we're leaving so much on the table here. Um, yeah, no one's taken Get It Away. I, you know, and that's actually like, that's like one of the things that's like, it's like, um, you know, there's so many Slapshot songs that weren't picked. Yeah. Uh, you know, Get It Away. Um but since we've since we've talked about Slapshot and SSD, I'm gonna have you know represent that '97 youth crew era, and I'm gonna pick in my eyes, and I'm gonna go with Actions Fall Short off of the difference between. Oh yeah. Um, I love this song solely for the way the guitars are panned when you're listening to it in headphones. Um, it's like the one guitar on the harmonics on one side, and it's like. You know, and then like going back and forth, um, and you know, like Pete, like when it goes into like the second break, when he's like, "These words, they are my strength." It's uh, it's really, I think it's you know, a, a great representation of of you know, like in my eyes, you know, talking about like you know, ten yard fighting in my eyes, um, you know how how they just sort of you know have that more melodic feel you know that um um you guys talked about on the 90s episode um they definitely bring that um i do i i think this is the standout song on um on this album 
and uh, it's probably probably my favorite in my eyes song, if not like you know top top two or three. Um, I just think I think the song brings it. Yeah, I mean, what's your opinion on? Oh, sorry. What's your opinion on album one versus album two? So album two, um, I think I like album two more. I was I, so my toss up was going to be between um, this song and the song "Perspective" that's on "Nothing to Hide," which is straight up. Um, it's just like it's like a riff. It's like it's like a, a full on lead, and it's it's totally different than I feel like everything else that they recorded like that song is just stands out so much from the rest of that album. But, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, this song, I think this song, uh, I think is just more, more, uh, representative of, you know, that 97 youth crew era that, you know, I think is underrepresented in, in all of our, uh, in all of our lists. So had to, had, had to, had to shout out for that. Yeah. And it's fitting cause it's a demo song. So it captures like that, that early energy. I mean, when we talk about a, a time and a place before in this podcast, like if, if I was going to say time and a place, it's like when that in my eyes demo started circulating and like the excitement about that band, it was like palpable. And so I think this song is a perfect one to pick because from the demo good enough to make it to the LP and uh, yeah, great track. Rob, do you have anything on this? Yeah. And- oh, sorry, Clevo. Go ahead. Oh, and you know, just talking about bands that go to California on a demo, like, you know, they, 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 they have those, they have those couple shows out in California and then, you know, next thing you know, they're on rev. So, you know, that was really, you know, it's it, it sometimes, it, sometimes, sometimes it's, uh, it's nice to have that hookup, you know, to just be like, Hey, come out to California and play some shows. Yeah. And another band that played laser star in Oxnard off the demo. So what's up? Shout out in my eyes, Rob, do you have anything on this? Uh no, I, I was wasn't wasn't really for me. Yeah. We will go on to my number seven, the final pick, and you guys almost blew it for me, but you didn't. I'm taking it. SSD, get it away. I had to have it on my list. I was stoked that I got it as a number seven. Uh, they got picked twice, but this is my favorite song. It is the Rager of Ragers. You know, like starting out a little funky but like just got that groove and then the way it comes in like the like with that lead going and just spring is like undeniable like uh, i don't know even how to describe the voice like it'll be in the playlist if you if people haven't heard it you'll hear it like this song is insane you know um it's just i don't even know how you write a song like this it's so brilliant and infectious and just like the energy is there. It's, it's just one of those great early eighties songs that they can never be captured again because you can't get a recording like that. And it'll never be people doing this music for the first time again. So it's just there. And they were able to lay it down on record and have so much energy come through on the wax. That is just undeniable and great. I'm so stoked. I got on my list, my final pick, SSD, get it away. We've talked them plenty, but uh, you guys can chime in on this, or also if you want to toss out honorable mentions, you can, and uh, then we'll wrap this up. Daniel, let's go to you. All right, here's a list of my honorable mentions. Uh, Negative Effects, Mind Control, 
Righteous Jams, Iron Mind. I can't believe I didn't put this on, uh, but I can when I see my list of songs, but this was almost on. Uh, Hope Conspiracy, Fragile. Like, what a fucking song. Um, Bane, Superhero. Slapshot, No Friend of Mine. Slapshot, Back on the Map. Trouble, We Are the Blood. Right Brigade, Waste of Breath, and Plead Your Case. Uh, Blood for Blood, No Tomorrow, Slash Cheap Wine. Those were all on my list, as well as could be like 10 other American Nightmare songs. I can't believe I'm the only AN on there. Um, but yeah, what a what a fucking rippinous town man. of music. Yeah, man. All right, Rob, let's go to you. Uh, I, I, I just want to talk about the Get It Away pick really quick. I, I, yeah, that song on so many levels is awesome. And what I also love, too, is Slapshot's cover of it on Old Time yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. That is such a great version of that song. That's a um, great album overall with the SSD cover. It's, 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 I was listening to it yesterday because I was like, I might do a Dark Horse pick off of this record. Man, that would have been a good one. <laughs> yeah, I love I love that record too. I remember I was working at Rev, I think, when that record had come out and it showed up for the distro and we were blasting the shit out of it. Um, but yeah, it's a, yeah, get it away is an awesome pick. Um, honorable mentions. I, I also Rob, had, let me, Rob, let me jump in on you just before you get to honorable mentions. Uh, just another like Clevo shout out, not Clevo on the pod, but Cleveland, the band committed covered that song and fucking knocked it out of the park too. Cause I've seen a bunch of bands cover it. They don't all like do the little lead guitar part and committed fucking killed it. Sorry, Rob. Uh, let's get on to your honorable mentions. <laughs> yeah, um, I also had Righteous Jams. I had Trouble, Blood. I had um, Mission of Burma, uh, Academy Fight Song. I had Hope Con, uh, Violent and Gray. Um, those were my honorable mentions. Okay, and Clevo? Uh, you know, one more thing that, you know, get it away. Uh, I don't think that it can be replicated is just for the fact that you can't smoke inside anymore. If you think about like when that song was written slash into sometime in the nineties, you went to shows, you reeked of smoke when you left shows and that's oh. not a thing that happens anymore. So, you know, thank God for some progress in this world. Yeah. I think or how about just eating your dinner and someone smoking right well, now? Yeah. Inhaling that. Yeah. But the, yeah. The so, you know, the, the difference of the two though is like, well, yeah, you're right. That's terrible to eat. But shows, like a lot of shows were not ins and outs. So you're like actually yeah. stuck in the fucking room. And it, it happened like, yeah. you know, as it, this would be mind-blowing to people that weren't around. But like, you know, I didn't start going to hardcore shows till like 96. And I don't think it got banned till like 97, 98. Because I remember being in Showcase Theater. And I think you had to pay $3 to like go in and out. And so you didn't want to. And like, yeah, it was pretty brutal. And I, that was at like hardcore shows. Like imagine what it was like at like a, a straight punk show. Or a poison show. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. It's wild. I mean, Soma, Soma was brutal, right, Rob? Like, Oh, yeah. It was like a like a fucking Sisters of Mercy show. It was a fog yeah. machine on full blast. It was that much. Especially the original Soma in downtown that was there. Yeah. 80s early 90s they used to have like some hardcore and punk shows and metal shows and a lot of goth shows but 
on the weekends it was a goth club and it was just like thick with smoke from that cloves all over the <laughs> yeah I, I got a story that you guys will laugh at so <laughs> me and ryan we went to see Lagwagon at the barn in riverside and like we were trying to be up front so it was like super packed and we're up front and ryan hated hated cigarette smoke and there was this giant fucking gnarly meathead like right behind us and he lit up a cigarette and i was like hey like blow it on him like to see ryan get upset and the dude fucking smoked his entire cigarette blowing it into ryan's face like i didn't know how to tell him to stop because he was like mad dogging me at that point and i was like oh this guy's gonna beat my ass if i say something you know but yeah clevo let's do uh your honorable mentions uh so uh let's see we didn't mention the fu's um mental history 101 um righteous jams bust it which is an invasion song uh band fit for abuse uh with Matt Kelly from the Dropkicks, Dropkicks Dumber on vocals. Um, hey, I know we only said we got one AN song. Um, there's a black hole in the shadow of the Peru. I was very close to taking it at the end there. Uh, let's see. And uh, Reach the Sky, maybe next year. And then the last one, uh, Decadence, the song Slam, which you may remember from the old MTV commercial with Santa and the Pit. That's yeah. uh, from the Boston Not LA comp. Um, which also has the line, I'm going to rip his rock lobster shirt. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, another reason I didn't pick that though, is cause it is not on Spotify. Yeah. That's a hard thing. Like, Friend of the pod. you know, it's, we, I know we got to get that sponsorship, hook it up Spotify, but, uh, it is, it is better to choose stuff there just so everyone can participate and listen. Uh, it does get hard sometimes though. Cause not everything is available. Um, do you have anything else, Clevo, or should I jump onto mine? No, that's, that's it for me. Okay, you guys got pretty much everything, so this is pretty satisfying to me. Um, yeah, I had, of what didn't get picked, I had DYS Brotherhood. The SSD songs I had got picked. I mean, we could have done a bunch of Slapshot songs. Step On It didn't get picked. Hang Up Your Boots didn't get picked. Addiction is my favorite song off the first record. Uh Tanner fight anything off the first seven inch, uh, Bane Count Me Out got taken, but Superhero didn't. Blood for Blood songs off the first record. Uh, I had another backup Suicide File song, but it was the one that Daniel mentioned, the Psalm. I had a backup Dropkick Murphy, uh, backup Dropkick Murphy song, and I had a Street Dog song, the Toby's Got a Drinking Problem. In case I didn't get the one I wanted, I had Mission to Burma, the song Trem Two. Fucking love that. And I had the American Nightmare song that Daniel took. And that's it. This was uh Oh no. Go ahead. You, you left one off uh you left one off your list, uh how we rocked the entire album. Yeah, you know, a weird yeah. a weird tie-in, like so <laughs> nar- you know, we've talked Nardcore on this a lot and 84 is like the big year in 85 and then things get real weird like 86 through 89 ish and it was interesting uh talking to fred from false confession because you know all the bands changed their sound and he was saying that how we rock was actually really really influential on all the bands of the area and contributed to the sound change and that was mind-blowing to me because you know as someone that came over a decade later into this music you know looking at SSD, how we rock, like you kind of look at it as like what you don't do, you know, like this kind of like an embarrassing record, like 
okay, I hope my band never goes that way, you know, or like, don't do that. That is breaking up. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, Howie Rock, I actually, I don't hate Howie Rock. Yeah, there's some bangers on there. Oh, like, great, totally disagree. great album cover. Great yeah, album. Cover. Maybe you get like. Break I mean, it. Howie Rock is a uh, it's a Judas Priest it's it's Judas Priest point of entry. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 it's like the band that did get it away. Come on, like well, so. No. I mean, well, here's my thing. Like when I was a kid, I and this guy in San Diego was friends with SSD and so a bunch of those records got out here in the early 80s um, in San Diego and um, this guy Cliff sang for this band Social Spit um, which is a really good band I think they were on Mystic as well they were yeah, um, Dave Nestor was in it yeah Dave Nestor who recorded the first of Broken um, um, It's for Life comp song but um, so Cliff worked at a record shop called Off the Record and and um, I was like, oh, you know, I was just new to punk and hardcore. I'm like, oh, I'm looking for this band SSD. He's like, oh, yeah, we got their, you know, got this album up there, How We Rock. And I, I got it when I was a kid. I was like, what the fuck is this? This just sounds like Maiden or ACDC. Like, what the fuck is this? I was so pissed. <laughs> and then, like, friends made me tapes, like the Amenity Guys and the other people made tapes. And I was like, oh, this is the other shit that you can't buy because the record's like 150 bucks. And back in like 86, I didn't have 150 bucks. I was in junior high, you know, high school. But going back to How We Rock, it's actually a pretty good record. Yeah. But in the trajectory of your band, it's like break up and start a new band. You know? Yeah, that's true. Well, they did. They went from being SSD control to being SSD. It's a whole new band. <laughs> good point. <laughs> that's a good point. So, yeah. Anyway, this was really fun. You guys were awesome. I think all the lists are really good. I think that we, you know, anytime people listen to stuff, they're going to get upset. But I think that we covered a huge swath of things, hopefully. And uh, so thank you guys all for doing it. And everyone... Stay tuned to the 185 miles south on Instagram. Daniel will put together a poll. You can vote uh, that my list is the best and Daniel's is the fourth best. And uh, look forward to that. And thank you for listening.